Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, Black Arts and Cultural Program of the African Sisters Media Network. And today, wanted to uh, start out with a few announcements before we uh, play a pre-recorded interview. Uh, actually, was broadcast last week with Angel, who is talking about um, the uh, play, which is in its second week. Um, <clears throat> Only Three-Fifths Human, which is at the flight deck. And there's a uh, performance on Saturday the 22nd at the flight deck at 8 o'clock p.m. It opened last weekend. So I don't know how many of you all listening were able to catch it, but anyway, if you missed it, this weekend is is your final opportunity to catch it for this run. also wanted to let folks know about... um, Damien's Needs, We Shall Overcome, a celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, which is tomorrow at uh, UC Berkeley's Zellerbach Hall, 8 o'clock curtain. It's a 90-minute program without an intermission. That should be really awesome. And then the Oakland Public Library and other libraries throughout the Bay Area continue with their uh, African-American History or Heritage Month events and uh, and don't forget, uh, over in San Francisco, um, the uh, Soul of a Nation, Art in the Age of Black Power, 1963-1983, continues at the uh, De Young Museum. And uh, so this weekend, you can make a quilt square. Um, the African American Quilt Guild of Oakland um, is having its annual demonstration, and that's this Saturday at the West Oakland Branch, uh, 1801 Adeline uh at 1 p.m. That's the 22nd. So we're going to um, start this interview because we don't want to miss any more more time. And then we're going to be speaking to choreographers that are part of the 16th Annual Black Choreographers Festival here and now, which starts this weekend. And we're going to be speaking to a choreographer whose work is opening uh, this weekend. So that's going to be really wonderful, Natalia. And we've actually had her on the show before when she choreographed uh, some work for the Oakland uh, Ballet. So we're looking forward to that conversation. So anyway, so stay tuned. And then we're going to conclude the the morning with an interview with Brother uh, Terha Ock, who uh, is one of the, uh, I don't know if he is, the founder of the Community Ready Corps but he's going to join us to talk about the Black Solidarity Week, which began on Monday, February 17th, and continues through the rest of the week, um, I think through Monday the 24th. And, uh, and oh, I don't want you to forget that um, Sunday is the Black Joy Parade, so that's going to be really awesome, kicking off with a parade. And, uh, yeah, we had a nice interview with um, the founder last Friday, so you can check that out in the archive. All righty, so here's Miss Angel. Uh-oh. Let's see. Just a second. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Uh, here we go. I wasn't signed into the studio. <laughs> Just, uh, it's funny. The technology is sort of getting away with me this morning. Um, that's funny. But anyway, <clears throat> just a second. Okay, here we are. 
was not was closed. So it's back open if you're in Los Angeles. And Lemur Park has been really changed. Um, uh, the great um, African-centered uh, bookstore is gone. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really a different space. But um, but um, there's, there's African heritage still going on there. And, again, uh, one of the main things is uh, the world stage. So um, we are really excited um to have in the studio um Dr. Arletha Angel Lands McTair to talk to us about her um Black Church Productions Three Fifths Human at the flight deck uh February sixteenth at six and February twenty second at eight. Good morning, how are you? And good morning, Wanda, how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Thank you so much for giving me a little more time um, with the Dwight uh, Tribble interview because he's really phenomenal and one of the people they be yes, able to hear yes. all of that. Um, so, yes. and and thanks for reminding me again about that great song. We'll play it a little bit later on because I wanted to just jump right in and have you talk about. I just love that the Black Church Productions, like what a great name for a production company, right? I, I don't think there are any other production companies called the Black Church Production. <laughs> and then okay. Three Fifths Human, that just sort of grabbed me when I when I saw it in my in my inbox. I'm like, Whoa, three fifths human. Mm-hmm. Wow, what's that play about? Yes. So anyway, talk to us about your company and talk to us about this play. And then uh, I'll tell them a little bit about you because you are just so phenomenal. They should go to your website and read all about you. <laughs> well, you know, I um, I came up with the Black Church production um, because I've been in the theater business for over 35 years, and I realized what God led me to realize is that a lot of our young millennial artists are, has a very gifts, many gifts that he has given them, and mm-hmm. a lot of times they they don't use it in a, in the proper manner, meaning that they have the gift, but they don't know who to go to to actually give them an opportunity to displace their gifts on stage or even to try to get into the uh, the music business, the theater business that they want to. So I I got when God spoke to me about the spiritual aspects of it, and it's like it's His gift. So if I can take a performing art and use it through spiritual values and experiences. And, and given the knowledge for, to our upcoming millennials that they would use it appropriately and not use it just, you know, on the street, knowing that they have a place that they can go to share it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I, uh, uh, with the company, and because a lot of things are being misled with their art, and they're so talented. The millennials are so talented, and they're being misled with the art. So the Black Church Production is under the umbrella of health and fitness for Minority Women, Inc., in which I opened um, since 1999, a nonprofit organization. And I uh, saw fit to put that underneath that to actually help millennials have a place to expose their arts. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the play that I wrote, produced, and direct that's going to be displayed on the 16th and 22nd of this month is called Only Three-Fifths Human. Only Three-Fifths Human is a play that talks about the uh, compromise of, of the U.S. Uh, Constitution with the Federalist 54 that, that actually deals with us being only three-fifths human and not recognizing that it's still written 
within the Constitution has been swept up underneath the rug. So actually giving out the information to people, to letting people know that this is something that is still present is the reason why we're being a lot of racially profiled, we're being not treated appropriately, but at the same time, how far we have come, how far God has brought us, even in the midst of from slavery 400 years ago all the way up to today, how we should be a proud people, how we should know that we are fifth human, which is a whole human, and not mm-hmm. consider ourselves to be nothing less. Right, yeah, yeah. So um, who's in your play? And, um, yeah, I, I think you I think you said that there's music in your play too, right? Yes. It's it's a, a lot of music. It's a lot of talent that's being used in the play. Me myself, having a, a lot of experience in in the in the business, I um, I teach a lot of the praise dance that's going to be in there. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, professional tapping, which my tapping is uh, comes from the uh, the teachings of the Nicholas Brothers, and mm-hmm. uh, also to um, the music that's going to be in there to open up the show would be Cynthia Enviro who played Let My People Go from Harriet Tubman would be the opening of the show because it is about letting our people go, letting us know that we are actually, you know, that five-fifths of that human. Also, I would have uh, other actors in there like uh, Clarence Ray Johnson, Jr. He's one of the uh, professional actors that I've been acting with for over 25 years. I also have my husband, Mr. Winfield McTeer, who has been acting for over the past eight years with me, who also helps me as an assistant manager within the production to help me continue to carry on the legacy of the black church production, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, other actors that uh, millennial actors that come in and want to actually be a part of the production, want to display their gifts that they come on. And I give them that so that they can be displayed so people can to know that they have this gift, and if that helps them to further on in their career, then that has reached the goal that which I was reaching for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, how how did you happen to? Um, I mean, you're you you're just such, you know, an artistic you know phenomenon. Um, and I was just you you've done so much, you know, like, you know, educationally, you know, you you've done so much. It's like wow. And and then um, and then as an artist, um, you know you've accomplished so much. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about. Um, I was reading your bio that that you're from Louisiana, and yes. I suppose you could talk a little bit about about how you came to 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 do as much as you do. Um, I'll read a little bit of your bio. Mm-hmm. It's it's really substantive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you uh, you you graduated with a uh, master's in divinity at Aberlean Aberlean Christian yes. University. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, NC, um, and you you're um, you're also a doctor of um, orthopedic, yes. orthopedic. Uh, medicine, yes, and you got yes. a PhD in leadership organization and public and community health. Mm-hmm. Like you just like lived in in in, in academic institutions. Like how did you do all this? Exactly. You got an MBA well, in know. healthcare management, <laughs> an MS in exercise yes. physiology, a BS in kin, kin, kinesiology, kinesiology of exercise, yes. yeah, of uh, and wellness. 
a BA and an A yes. as in natural and health science and an AA in social yes. and behavior science and dance choreography. And you're exactly. a motivational speaker, and we, we're talking to you now. You are, you know, you're also a playwright. You teach praise dance. You work with women around health and fitness. I'm like, yes. goodness gracious. Yes. Um, I, are you a mother, too? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I have a son that's 40 and a daughter that's 30. Okay, so you, you fit in, you know, having a family. Like, goodness gracious. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Talk well, to us about was, was how, just, one, how one has I such a whole life. <laughs> well, you know, as when I was um, young, I was a genius, and I did not know, understand mm-hmm. what that was. And I did not understand why I had to do so many things that was on my plate that in order to satisfy me, I had to do four different things in order to to make myself satisfied. And um, when I got to the 10th grade, I was in college at Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was was born in Independence, Louisiana, raised on a tribe, Lolly Kemp. Uh, tribe in in Louisiana, moved to Baton Rouge, continued to be reared there um, by my mother, my late mother, Aline B. Hopkins-Jones, and uh, she was a school teacher. She was my English teacher in my third grade class. I was inspired more by her and my third grade teacher, Miss Chambers, Ernestine Chambers, who was my physical education teacher, who allowed me to express my talent who gave me the chance to dance when it was dance contests and, and different things that was being done, especially with my sisters who taught me art, how to draw, how to see things beyond what is already there. So I was able to do all those things in one and was able to get scholarships because I was an athlete as well as an artist to get scholarships to go to Southern University and LSU to be a registered nurse and then graduated from there while I was going to Southern University. And then I was able to go to the American Nursing School of uh, Nursing Assistance, which started off my health career, my health care career. And as I did all of that, I thought to myself, it is possible that I can make a 360 with everything that I do. I want to be able to do everything that I desire doing, that I enjoy doing, that I can put it into one, and God allowed me to do that. And so I took my health care experiences and used it for my nonprofit aspects for women to help women understand that they, you know, are just as important as anything else and that they are mothers and that they are strong women. You know, and that they can do anything that they want to do if they put foot forward to try it. Then I realized that I needed to actually help the community to heal. It was very important for the community to heal because a lot of a lot of things were going on even up as of today. And when I brought that full circle around, me having a love for the arts, you know, uh, within the theater for over 35 years, I had the opportunity to go to the School of Performing Arts in New York. And I had an opportunity to perform on Broadway. And I had that opportunity even at Cal State Hayward East Bay when it, when it was just Cal State Hayward. I taught at Laney College in, at the school at Laney College with Lynn Coles, Weather Coles, and Evelyn, uh, and, and Evelyn, those who allowed me to express my gifts as well as at Cal State Hayward, I was able to teach some of the aerobics and fitness classes, wrote manuals for those particular classes, 
to help the professors. I was underneath the professor, even being a student in college. So I came down here, coming from a college, going to UCSF Medical School, doing research at Stanford, actually going to Cal State Hayward, picking up that kinesiology degree, carrying that kinesiology degree on to uh, University of Phoenix, getting that healthcare management, so I'll be able to manage everything that I do, put it all into one content, as well as going on to Walden University to a PhD in public and community health, because I still wanted to be a part of helping the community, as well as how can I help them all around in a 360 health-wise, physical-wise, mental-wise, and spiritual-wise. And God has led me to that point to where I do have two books that's going to be released in uh, March. It's called A Woman's Insecurity. Also, who said that she's not? So those are important things for me that helping me to use my gifts within society, helping me to share with the community that you can do whatever you want to do, and God would help you if you continue to depend upon him. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> mm. a lot. Wow, that is pretty amazing. Yeah, 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 pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So you're going to be doing TAP, um, you know, sort mm-hmm. of looking at mm-hmm. its origins, you know, the, the Nicholas Brothers. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, yes. And also the Black Panther Party. It's it's a mm. it's a part in there that I imitate the Black Panther Party for what they did for our people mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. there as well, and also using a uh, part video from the uh, 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 Louis Farrakhan mm-hmm. talks about the three fifth human clause and okay. about what it actually means to us as the Black mm-hmm. people. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you end up here in in California? What brought you here? Um, my sister. My sister lived in California for over thirty seven years and I wanted a new you know, I wanted a new start from Louisiana coming out here to California and once I got out here and recognized how easy it was to actually get the education that I really wanted, that was very that was very appropriate for me, that I just was like a, a, a Pac Man. I just ate everything mm-hmm. up you know, that I was able to get my hands on that helped me to uh, become more educated. I was always one who loved education. I would never stop being educated, even to this day, whenever classes or whatever things are going on that I feel that advances me, I still Mm -hmm. want to advance my mind. Right, yeah. Can you? So my um, sister brought me down here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice, nice, and you stayed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I right. stayed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is this is what you do, right? Um, this is this is how you support yourself. This is how you make your living as as an artist and as a theologian, and. And I was just wondering if you could talk about maybe um, the business of, of art, this particularly, you know, this kind of art. I mean, how often do we see plays only three-fifths human? And tell us the name of some of your other plays and how you've been able to support, you know, your work um, and how you've been able to, like, make this into a business so that you could just you could do this. Because a lot of times people do their art on the side. Yes. 
and and I know they do. Well, when I first started, it was a, a struggle, and first starting uh, to say, okay, now I want to do my hobbies. I was working a lot of hours within the hospital, working a lot of times within the healthcare facilities, and I was doing a lot of hours, 16 hours, 12 hours a day. But I also had the time to, people were hiring me to do praise dance at their churches. I was teaching dance classes. I have a small personal fitness center for minority women. So that was bringing in the income and helping me to support myself. So it was some tireless nights and it was some good, you know, days. But at the same time, once I uh, came to the decision to where I'm going to put it all in one and I'm working from home, I have my office and my center, everything comes from home. So I realized if I can work for somebody else with all those hours, I should be able to do it for myself. Flexology for seniors. I started uh, doing uh, physical therapy, you know, and I started doing massage therapy along with uh, my sports, you know, sports medicine career. So I utilized those uh, finances to help me with the play. But now since I've gotten married, my husband is my biggest supporter. Mm-hmm. He allows me to be able to, without struggling in the financial aspects, to where I would be able to uh, write my plays. I would be able to write my books. I would be able to do the things that I need to do, but still I would work, but I don't have to work as hard as I worked. So that support, and then I had some small grants that I applied for that uh, that I not a lot of, uh, you know, people that will give a lot of grants unless it's all about who you know. I'm still right now seeking grants to try to help support this black church production. So, the financial aspects of this Black Church production is being supported by me on my part-time help work as well as my husband who supports me, which I don't have to work as hard. A lot of the plays that I wrote, I've wrote so far 15 different plays just for the Black Church production, but I've actually uh, produced and direct over 40-something plays for the Black Repertory Theater Group in which I taught mm-hmm. dance there on the summer camps that they have had uh, underneath uh, Dr. Scott and Sean Bond Scott to where I did a lot of work for them. I did a lot of the costuming for them as well as myself. Thing in my play that you see, I did my own design, backstage design, my own uh, highlights of it. I drew it or either I made it uh, in the clothing and in, in everything that I'm the designer, I'm the director, I'm the producer, and I have time to do that because I have the support of my husband. Mm-hmm. So the financial aspects for me is still always, and sometimes is a, is is not as as vast of a struggle, but it mm-hmm. is sometimes a struggle if I'm trying to. I want to get to the Paramount with the plays that I have. I want to get to the Fox Theater with the plays that I have. But it's all about who you know. And and once I reach that stage, I hope and my goal is to reach to Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey to make one of these plays become a movie mm. and using the millennials to come along and hoping for support, you know, from those great 
you know, actors and those great, you know, people who have, who of uh, people of color who has went on and to reach back and to help us, who is trying to come up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about some of these characters, and I don't know if you could share um, something on the air, um, you know, from the play. Um, one of the parts in there um, deals with. Uh, let's see. I want to tell you about the part when we first open, and it deals with the character with uh, Clay, uh, Clarence Ray uh, Johnson Jr. character. It, his name is uh, Tube. Tube is a runaway slave. Tube is is being ran behind and chased because he wants to run to freedom, and he's trying to find out how to get to freedom. Trying to find out how to get to freedom. He runs along to actually see that even though the proclamation has been written and the abolishment of slavery has been said when he stopped by the shack, one of the educators of a black man steps out to let him know we have been freed. But with the mind frame that he has, says we could never be freed because Master Steel has us underneath his wing. Master Steel needs us to take care of his crop. Master still need us to drop down, look down, and never look up. So his mind frame is dissipated with the fact that he still lives within the slave mentality. He still understands that we're not free. When are we going to ever be free? That's the deep opening of, mm-hmm. of this particular show. And then at the ending of this show, it shows how the the song worth by Anthony Brown, the performance by the whole group that is going to be done, it shows how regardless of what they say about us being three-fifths human, we are five-fifths human because God says we are. We are God's people and that we know what we are worth because we were worth dying for. He said we was. See? And he said that we was worth to, you know, to, to live for. So, so that brings a, a conclusion to us as a people to understand that we have come so far that we must still stand and to know that all all races, all nationality comes from Africa. And we did not never come here as a slave. We were made to be slaves. Mm-hmm. So that's giving the, you know, kind of part of the uh, uh, opening and giving you a part of the end. It is so much into this particular play Mm -hmm. that it's going to make people understand and realize how amongst each other and that Mm -hmm. we are not a separate people, even though we are treated as. Yeah, I was wondering, um, is is your your play um, actually um, a call to action? Do you want um, the audience to do something, you know, after seeing this work? Um, yes. You know, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. What is that? I um, I asked the audience to uh, in in within the play. It's a, it's a saying that we have within the play. I don't want to give it away, but it's okay. asking them to actually look at each other equally. 
stop, you know, if we can stop being so racially profiled, if we can, we can learn to love one another as God loves us, that we'll be a better people in a better world and everything which we know it takes time for that to happen with the things that are happening today. So take with them and to learn to treat each other equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I get a little deep there, but, you know, <laughs> it is something that's touching to my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. That, well, you know, this is a deep, deep topic, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it is. You know. Yeah, so you know, a, people don't think about play. the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only three it's not a play that calls you know. victory. It's not a play that's causing victory. It's a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Wake up. This is what and reason and the reasons why we're mm-hmm. being treated this way. Did you know? Right. Did you not know? I need you to know this, my brothers and my sisters. I need you to know this. This is this is what's going on with us. How do we overcome this? How we've been overcoming it? Through the strength of God, we've made it this far. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, who's your audience? Who who would you like to see in the studio? I mean, who would you like to see in the theater? I know you mentioned the millennials. Um, yeah. But, yeah, who would you like Who would you like to see in, in those chair, in those seats at the flight deck um, on the I 16th would love to at see. 6 and on the 22nd at 8 o'clock? I would I would love to see a lot of my Christian sisters and brothers first mm. within the Sunday within the Sunday show as well as the millennials along with them too so that we could they can become educated. Also love all mix of races to come and understand what my people has been through and to that we need to stop all the uh, violence and hatred and disrespect, and also providing a safer community with each other mm-hmm. by bringing this type of vitality and this type of spiritual blessings, you know, within this this play, that we can understand one another, we can understand we, why we act the way we act. So that type of audience, I wanted to be multi-cultural, mm-hmm. so that we all can see that we still are human and we still are equal and we all are brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Well, tell us, tell people how they can get tickets and then I'm going to play this, this song that you recommended um, okay. uh, that was a part of that film, Harriet, uh, sung yeah. by uh, Cynthia um, Ervio. Uh, yeah, Ervio. Yeah, Ervo. Oh, Ervio. Irv, Irvi, yeah. Irvo, Irvo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called yeah. Stand Up, and it is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to be able to hear that song right now, but maybe uh, toward the end of the show, um, after my third guest, we will be able to play um, play the rest of this interview and that song. Let's see who is joining us presently. Good morning, and welcome to Wanda's Tips. <laughs> Good morning. Is this um, Natalia? This is Natalia, yes. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking, it doesn't sound like Risa. Oh, I think this <laughs> might be uh, this might be Jamie Ray Wright. 
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, cool, super. So, Natalia, you're joined by Jamie Ray Wright. Oh, and here is Risa Simpson. Everybody's, like, right on time. <laughs> good morning, Risa. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Wanda. Hi. Yeah, so you're joined. Everyone uh, is here, uh, Risa Simpson, Jamie Ray Wright, and Natalia. How do you pronounce your last name, Natalia? Show yeah, and Natalia, you are kicking off the 16th annual Black Choreographers Festival here and now this Saturday um, yeah. and Sunday at Safe House Arts. It's like oh my god, what a solo, a, a evening length solo performance work um, called. Um, where are my notes? I'm not seeing my notes. Called, called reunion. what? Right, reunion. reunion. Yeah. Yeah, why don't, why don't we let you start? Um, uh, let me let me read your bio a little bit of your bio, which people can um, can read online. But um, you were born and raised in Los Angeles, and you are a freelance dancer, choreographer, and teacher. And you believe that embodiment of ideas coupled with individual interpretation can allow movement to serve as a catalyst for truth. Uh, you've acquired immense knowledge from participation in Alonzo King. King's uh, Lines uh, BFA program at Dominican University of California, and um, and I believe um, uh, Risa um, Simpson was um, was like a mentor um, for you. Uh, I remember uh, you had a work at Safe House Safe um, House Arts, and 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 Risa's baby was a baby baby. Yeah. And and she was there in in the, in the in the space, you know, with the baby and you were on, you know, dancing and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a lovely experience and a lovely time for connection. And mm-hmm. this time around, we don't have mentors, but the the impetus for reunion started with the desire to really want to challenge my body and work with artists who I admired and who I really wanted to learn from. So I reached out to three friends who all agreed mm-hmm. to work with me and to help me to co-choreograph an evening. And it's been a journey since then. Um, lots of growing, learning, shedding old habits, facing truth. And, yeah, I've been working hard since November, so I'm really excited for this weekend to come into culmination. And, yeah, we're just really excited for this weekend. Mm-hmm. And and tell us the names of your three friends and and um, how long is an evening length solo? Is it like ninety minutes? Um, an hour? Well, this evening I, this evening length solo is twenty five minutes. Not too okay. long, um, but also it doesn't feel too short either. So twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a just a rough talk back session afterwards, just to get um, audience perspectives and feelings, but. The three choreographers that were commissioned are Charbel Rohayam, which I met in the Alonzo King Lines BFA program, Jane Selna, whom I met in my last um, BCF uh, mentorship program. She was the woman I choreographed a solo on, and Bianca Stephanie Mendoza, who her and I met through a process earlier in August last year. Mm, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And um any any special music um to accompany your uh solo work reunion and uh and what what does 
what's happening in the piece? Is it is it dance story? Is it interpretive? Is it like the title reunion can mean a lot of things to different people? Well, for me, reunion is an invitation back to myself. So it's an exploration mm-hmm. of myself and my strengths and my talents and and the love that I'm gaining and having for myself. So reunion is an invitation for me, but also an invitation for all of us to come back to ourselves and to find what brings us joy and love and all things mm-hmm. grand. But I know oh, I didn't really answer your first question. What was your first question? Mm, I don't remember it anymore. Um, oh, you asked, question. like, what what was the music and the dance moves? Oh. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. leave that up to surprise. If you'd like to know what it's like, I feel you should come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Okay, no problem. <laughs> um, are you going to have live music? Like, is it going to be the know. music, musicians, are they going to be... Um, Right there in in the space with you in the in the studio. No, the musicians won't be present. Okay, okay. Ah, that sounds wonderful. Wow. And how does it feel to be opening the sixteenth uh, annual festival? Um, it's an honor, um, and it just feels like that everything I'm doing must be done with humility and with honesty and with the courage and strength to carry our black legacy forward. So I feel very honored, but I also feel very capable to launch the start of a festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so Raisa, since, since you have a relationship with Natalia, um, um, maybe I'll have you go next and if you want to talk about you know, sort of that relationship, you can as well. Um, but you have a excerpt of a piece called The Motley Experiment um, that you are going to um, be, uh, is it debuting? Um, well, I think that, um, you know, just to go back to my relationship with um, Natalia, um, mm-hmm. we still every now and then grab tea or coffee. <laughs> and that, <laughs> Um, so it's been really great because I wasn't able to see, uh, the process because I think I was delivering or or something, or I had the baby and I don't know, something happened, just newborn. And as a mom, I'm still sort of transitioning into, um, that life as mom and choreographer. So yeah, there's a lot more experiments than going on, I think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, the Motley Experiment is an excerpt of a work in progress, and um, unfortunately, I can't say too much about it because I'm heading to rehearsal right now to create it. <laughs> oh, but seriously? In oh. response to um, Archibald Motley's painting. So it's a response piece oh. to his painting. And if you're not familiar with Archibald Motley, he's a jazz modernist painter mm-hmm. and he never lived in Harlem but he's part of the Harlem Renaissance so um, I came upon his work early on and had the chance to see it um, in LA when I was there and I was just kind of struck by how the colors 
that he used were all done with the intention of portraying black nightlife and jazz scenes. And I just thought that was really beautiful to paint dark skin at night in a very humanistic way. I'm not one that's exposed to a lot of painters when it comes to um, the 1920s. He lived from the 1920s all the way to 1980. I'm more um, accustomed to seeing photographs of people or video. So to see this art sort of like come alive and jump out at me, I felt like I needed to respond to it in some sort of way. So I'm developing this experiment and the intention is for this to be a multi-year project. Um, but for BCF, what you'll see is the very first section of the piece. And the music is by Idris Ackermore. And somewhere along my timeline, he'll be playing that music live. But for BCF, you'll hear um, his also first draft of a piece that is in response to the painting. So all the collaborators and all the dancers were all responding to this piece and we're doing it in an intentional way so that um, we bring in resources and research to rehearsal in order to tell this story. Wow, that sounds really wonderful. And and I I noticed that the work is slated to premiere at the Bayview Opera House uh, next month, uh, March 27th through 29th? That is true. The Bayview Opera House, they've really been sort of like a launch pad for me. They're doing something where um, they're building out these residencies for me to make work and also supporting it through funding as well. And we've been able to create some new work, which in this day and age can feel like just an achievement in itself. And I feel as though this is what artists need. They just need a space to make work. A lot of times we see art as like an economic exchange. It's like you, the artist, write the grant, find the space, get the the lighting designer and the tech crew and you present it and you put it together. But they want their space to be used what it was meant for, which is creating art. So it's just a different approach to thinking that is working out really well. And it's definitely 50-50. We're doing the work, and that's what's important. But they're also doing the work um, to make sure that art is being created. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and uh, I noticed that this work, um, you are actually uh, closing out the um, Black Choreographers Festival um, here and now at Mills College, which is a new uh, collaborating um, institution with Black choreographers. Um, not that it doesn't already have a relationship <laughs> with uh, with uh, one of the uh, founders. Um, Laura Elaine Ellis, who is an alum of of uh, Mills, but um, and, and so many other dancers <laughs> and choreographers, but um, yeah, that that March seventh uh, through eighth um, closing um, weekend is going to be pretty phenomenal, 
and and then because um, the BCF is actually moving between three spaces, um, Jamie, your your um, piece is going to be at um, the longtime supporter and collaborator Dance Mission Theater. Um, you know, on Sunday, I guess March first, and and that weekend starts on February twenty uh, ninth, and then Safe House Arts again is this weekend, February twenty second through twenty third, and that features uh, Natalia Schof all by herself in this reunion, right? <laughs> so it's going to be pretty, pretty phenomenal, um, you know, the the work that is um, being presented. There's so many, so many wonderful choreographers um, that are part of this, this uh, annual um, event that we really look forward to. And actually it takes place more than just this weekend. Um, Black Choreographers has a sort of a, a late summer, early fall, you know, um, presentation, and and you never know where Black Choreographers Festival uh, is going to be showing up. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so that should be pretty cool. Oh, and also, uh, Raisa, um, before we move to Jamie, is um, you are on the same bill as um, um, as um, gosh, Robert Moses Ken. Like you are together, like you're in the same bill as as peers. Isn't that cool? And and he was your mentor, right? Yeah, when I started out my career here in the Bay Area, I danced with Robert, and he's celebrating 25 years, which congratulations, Ken. I love you. <laughs> you're amazing. Push <laughs> um, is celebrating 15, which is nowhere near that type of milestone. So That's we're taking amazing, our 15. Though, 15. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're going to take our 15 to just like, we're going to say it's a visioning here. So we're calling it 15 forward. We're going to envision what we'll look like in 15 years in the future. But um, I'm all for it. I'm here to celebrate with them. And I look forward to March 7th and 8th. And I've never performed at Mills. So I'm also looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Wow. And and Jamie Ray Wright, um, you have a um a premiere Delta Crossroads that sounds intriguing. Let me uh let me tell our audience a little bit about you. Um uh you are a uh, former musician, a graduate from Stanford University with a BA in economics and the University of San Francisco with an MBA in marketing. I went to USA. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got a, a a master's in writing from them. Uh, you have served as a member of the board of directors since 2006 for Robert Moses Ken. Oh, and Push. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, family working. here. Definitely. That is so awesome. Um, I'm sure that was arranged on purpose. You know, I, I'm sure John did that on purpose, but it's wonderful uh, <laughs> to have family in the house. But I think, I don't know, the arts and dance community seems to be really, you know, family, uh, just sort of in general, particularly the BCF family. And you go way back with uh, Black Choreographers. Do you go back 16 years with Black Choreographers Festival? Were you in the first the first performance? I'm not sure if I was in the first one, but I was certainly early on. I think the first time mm-hmm. I uh, showed was maybe 2007. Uh, okay. So uh, it was just, it's been quite a while, maybe maybe a year or two before that. Uh, mm-hmm. The Dance Right Project, my company's been around for about 15 years, and we have been uh, oh. producing our own shows 
for the we're coming up on our 12th season. But uh, the work that I'm presenting for uh, BCF and the work that I often present for BCF is rooted in my uh, in my childhood. Uh, my childhood was filled with music. Uh, my parents, you know, my parents uh, had recordings of all kinds of things, even even those old 78s, which uh, probably uh, our younger folks would not even know about, these uh, uh, wax records that had to be played on special machines. And uh, I, I used that music as a way to, uh, uh, number one, tell my story as a, uh, as a person, and to uh, uh, hopefully tell the story of uh, African-American people in the United States. Uh, Delta Crossroads utilizes music, uh, 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 Delta Blues music from uh, uh, Southern Mississippi and uh, uh, Louisiana. Uh, these folks are uh, uh, people who would uh, play music for fun after work and uh, mm-hmm. were uh, discovered by uh, musicologists. There's probably a troubled history there. It's a, a, a double-edged sword as far as this discovery, but it's what brought... Uh, uh, this kind of music to the public, and it's the basis of the Chicago blues and the uh, Memphis blues that we know today. Uh, largely acoustic music, uh, and uh, right now I'm going. I'm working on the uh, Dr. Crossroads, which is a uh, going to be a, a longish piece, maybe about 15, 20 minutes, uh, and I'll be mm-hmm. doing an excerpt of that at BCF. Huh. and and where will you be? Um premiering the um the full work i'll be preparing the full work at dance mission theater october 3rd and 4th late late in the fall uh during our 12th anniversary season the dance right project oh nice nice yeah yeah and um i was i was looking at your bio and sort of finishing it um that um you um you have in 24 views and uh, the pilot program at ODC Theater, collaborations, dance, music at the Cal Theater, and in 11 annual seasons at Dance Mission. Um, I guess you, your work has um, has appeared. And uh, and you've been commissioned to create works for And Still Dancing and the Opera Frontiers. Um, and your work um, is, uh, the way you, you describe it is this, this particular one, Delta Crossroads, contemporary ballet piece, uh, an ensemble piece, upbeat and nostalgic. Um, so um, is your work, um, for the most part, uh, do you use ballet or do you use other, other dance forms um, in, in your work? And why ballet in this particular one? Ballet is, is, uh, is what I, most of my work is based on, and it's a training that I have. Uh, okay. I have not uh, had a lot of exposure to other dance forms as a dancer. Uh, certainly as a, as a viewer, I have seen a lot. Uh, but uh, I use ballet as a, uh, as a uh, basis. And I think that using this European dance form and then breaking it in different ways in order to, uh, to create something new is uh, what I, I strive to do. Uh, the uh, Delta Crossroads, you know, is, is, is the, it's a roots is a root uh, music uh, piece. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, the folks that we know today, if you walk into a, uh, a club today and, uh, you know, see our folks with electric guitars and horns and the like, well, you know, at the time it was just a, uh, 
uh, a guitar, a banjo, a uh, uh, harmonica. It was a, it was very simple, very stripped down. So I, you know, always try to go to the roots of whatever it is that I'm working on in order to uh, to find inspiration and again to hopefully uh, get the people in the audience to be interested in uh, saying, "Wow, that's I've never heard anything like that." Tell me more, and they can try to keep these these forms alive and try to uh, understand the history, both the painful and the happy history that goes along with these roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how did a, a musician um, find his way into dance? I mean, not that that's a stretch of an imagination, um, but your your training is you know economics and you know business administration, marketing. It's like, oh, and you're a choreographer and you have a dance company. It's like, wow, okay. Excuse me. Yeah, I've worked in a a lot of different fields over the years, and I was in marketing for close to 20 years, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. working up from selling door to door all the way up to becoming a a marketing vice president at one of the uh, regional banks here. Uh, And, Mm -hmm. you know, that it was a creative endeavor in and of itself, and it's – Certainly, something that sometimes I miss, but I uh, have left that life behind. Uh, I've always been interested in dance, you know. So even throughout my uh, my childhood, it was something that uh, I was interested in, but I uh, did not have as much access to training that other folks had. My my parents were not, uh, while they uh, loved art and loved music, they were not necessarily uh, keyed into the dance world. Uh, I'm of a certain age, so. Uh, in the early 70s, there was a television show on uh, PBS called Dance in America, where weekly they would talk about uh, various choreographers of the period. Uh, and uh, I dove into that show. I was an early uh, uh, subscriber to Dance Magazine. Uh, when I got to a point where I had my own money, I would take myself to uh, various dance shows that, in my team. So while uh, other folks were going to the movies and I was uh, going over to, to uh, Zellerback to see uh, the dance performances. And uh, it's just something that's, that's been an interest of mine throughout my life. Uh, I have a tendency when I do something and when I'm interested in something to try to understand it from the inside out. So, uh, uh, and also have a tendency to do things on my own, just to just try it rather than uh, uh, necessarily go to a school or anything to, to, to learn it. So I just I just dove in it one day and said, this is the kind of movement I want to see on stage. How does it work? And uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I started choreographing. I think uh, to give a shout out to uh, uh, Raisa here, you know, she is very instrumental in actually helping to launch my uh, my company because in an early show um, many years ago, uh, she invited me to show during one of her seasons, one of her. Uh, uh, maybe your first or second season, Reza, and uh, giving me that opportunity to put something on stage and to, to uh, be pushed to uh, do something in the studio uh, was a uh, was certainly a boost to me, and it's a model that I follow now in creating my own seasons. I give other people a chance to uh, to show during my season, and hopefully they can go off and uh, and find themselves creatively. Oh, nice. That's really great. Wow. And and do you do you dance as well? 
Uh, no, it's been it's been a while since I danced. I uh, I uh, just make movement for other people to uh, to dance. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, there was a time yeah. when I was when I was uh, taking class regularly. Uh, I performed a couple of times for for uh, different people, uh, mm-hmm. but I I feel more comfortable in uh, stepping back and uh, and uh, creating the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in our in our final minutes, and um, I think Risa has has gone off to her rehearsal because um, she's not in the studio anymore. <laughs> um, but that was nice; you gave her a shout out. Um, so I was wondering, um, Natalia, um, if you want to say a little bit more about reunion, and um, and and Jamie, I wanted to know if you want to talk about your your company. You know, the women or men or both that are going to be. Um, sort of, um, you know, that you set this work on? Oh, certainly. Uh, Would Natalia like to go first? Sure. Um, All I want to say is um, thank you to all those who have listened today about Reunion, and I I hope that you can come out and support. Um, It's it's just a dream that's coming into reality, and I'm really thankful. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> right, yeah. So we have to show up so we can see the music and see what it looks like. Ah, and uh, yeah. so the invitation to oneself. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. I really like your work yes. too. Thank yeah, you. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. I hope to see you there. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. There's so much happening this month and so much happening this weekend. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to go. I'm on my way to teach. But I want to say thank you for having me on this morning. And thank you uh, to all the listeners. And thank you, Jamie, as well, for your words. And oh, Rachel, thank you. too. But she's off. But All right. You take care. Have a good rest of the day, Natalia. Thank you thank for joining you us. Too. Bye. Bye. Well, I also, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful to the uh, to the dancers that have worked with me. Uh, one of my dancers mm-hmm. has actually been a member of my company since the very beginning. She's a founding member. And, uh, nice. you, you know, game, you've had ups and downs and, you know, life. You know, interesting when you when you work with someone, uh, mm-hmm. they not only become uh, people that, that dance for you and that sort of thing, but they, they become a part of your family. And uh, that is... Mm-hmm. Uh, been great to have this long-term relationship with this particular dancer and uh, folks within the company i think uh, have been with me at least four or five years so it's a good tight group that will be dancing this particular work my company ranges Mm -hmm. from uh four to nine people depending on what it is i'm showing i'm going to be showing with four dancers this time around and uh we're in the midst of actually creating the work now we're not we're not nearly done but hopefully uh, Mm uh we'll make a good showing and uh and uh, keep some interest on on March first. Nice, nice. So, what are the names are of your uh, dance company members who are the one who goes back to fifteen years, I would presume, to the beginning, and and the other three artists that are joining you in this work, um, Delta Crossroads. Well, uh, my long-standing dancer, her name is Allison Abriel. Uh, like I said, she's been with me since the uh, since the beginning. And it's gone through a lot of different uh, creative uh, uh, doors with me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, Emily Shoup has been with me around six years. 
she is a uh, uh, very athletic dancer. She uh, she studied with uh, uh, Abby Miller of Dance Moms, which is a, a very interesting uh, jump for her. She certainly has some uh, great stories during the lows in the uh, in the studio about that relationship. Uh, another is uh, Beth Lim, who's with, with Peninsula Ballet Theater and has been with me for uh, I think four seasons. And uh, the last is Jen Mayakawa, who uh, is uh, a passionate dancer. She's been with me for three seasons. Uh, uh, in her uh, other life, she is a uh, 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 gynecological nurse. She helps bring babies into the world. So the wow. uh, <laughs> uh, balance between those two, I think, uh, mm-hmm. is what keeps her focused on, on, on both, you know, the uh, life-giving yeah. of a uh, working as a nurse, and also the uh, 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 nourishing of the soul that art has given her. So uh, these are four very strong dancers, and I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing the finish of my uh, piece on stage with them. Wow, yeah, sounds really awesome. Well, it's really, really a pleasure to have you on the air. I don't, I don't know if I've ever had you on the show before, but I really admire your work. So this has been really wonderful to hear about Delta Crossroads, and and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll have more conversations. Uh, maybe another one closer to October, um, when you know I you have. Um, that. Yeah, that'd be really super. And uh, yeah, well, good luck with the process, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing it. Well, I want to thank you for having me on, and uh, I, what a pleasure it was to be uh, be on with uh, Natalia and with Raisa. Raisa is an old, and uh, you know, I, I really appreciate having this time to uh, to reconnect on the air here. <laughs> oh, you're quite welcome. We can definitely have a, an encore for sure. <laughs> All right. You take good care, well, and um, yeah, good luck in the process of creating this wonderful work. Thank you so much. All right, you take good care. And um, so uh, March 1st, right? March 1st, 7 o'clock. A dance mission. Looking forward to seeing you all here, Dance Mission Theater. Uh, <laughs> okay, you take good care. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wanda. You're welcome. Peace and blessings, Jamie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are joined in the studio by three other choreographers. Oh, my goodness, it's so exciting. Uh, Dana E. Uh, Fetchit, is that how you pronounce your last name? Fitchit is right, yeah. Good morning. Fitchit. Oh, Fitchit. Okay. And Gabriel Christian, hey. Hi. <laughs> and Hi, then um, uh, Shibizu, Shibize, Shib- no. Shibweze. Shibweze, yeah. Yes. Crouch. Hi. You would think it's like, okay, I've been practicing, right? (laughs) (laughs) So how are, how is everyone? Oh, my goodness. Black choreographers, 16. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So happy to be called. Yes. Hey, y'all. Hey. Yeah, it's a good good crew. Hey, Dana. I know. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. So people that that missed um missed you all um you missed mouth mouthful um can catch a little excerpt um uh, with black choreographers. Mm-hmm. That's well. That's how it work works sometimes. So that's nice. <laughs> so let me read your bios and then we can talk about your work. Uh, so Dana, um, you've worked in schools and in arts 
education and social justice focused organizations with roles ranging from direct classroom work, dance education and family organizing to event management, arts administration and marketing and communications. A multidisciplinary artist with a master's of fine art in interdisciplinary art and a bachelor's degree in urban studies, Dana writes makes visual art, teaches movement classes, choreographs, and directs Movement for Liberation, a project-based dance collective. Dana seeks and finds endless lessons in study of the African diaspora, literature, human engagement, and nature, and splits time between the Bay Area, New York, and Boston. So where are you now? What Are you in the Bay Area, are you in New York, or are you in Boston? <laughs> I'm in Oakland, yeah, I'm in Oakland right now. Oh, you're in the Bay presently. Okay, because you know, yes. we're on the phone. You could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I try to do music with them. So <laughs> I stay away yeah. from the snow. Yeah, uh, so I'm here in Oakland. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and um you write that all your pursuits are unified by an explicit concern for moving our individual and collective realities closer to liberation. And so you've got a yes. why do you tell us about this particular work? And um, they're excerpts um, for yeah. evening length work, and I don't know if it's going to be premiering somewhere, but hopefully it will be. But why don't you tell us about Rooted and Rejoice? For sure. So thank you. So the 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 show that it's that these two pieces are excerpts from premiered um, at the end of last month at Eastside Arts Alliance in Oakland. Um, oh, the show we is- already missed it. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. I, I'm pretty sure it'll go up again. Um, we're trying to move around. We had a great opening show, incredible weekends um, in community that just really felt like the type of work I want to be making for the audience I want to be making it for and, and having the impact I really want to have in the world. So it was a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time I ever presented a full night of my own work. Um, mm-hmm. But the show itself is called Never Found, Never Lost. And my work is really not very um, directly narrative work. It's really about um, kind of about conjuring and about um, healing through movement and putting that on stage. And, and I work primarily with um, black women, queer women, um, and just the, the power of committing to our own healing and liberation through this movement practice and what that can represent um, and what it can inspire in other people is really a beautiful affirmation of this belief that I have that if we take care of ourselves in really um, <laughs> what are tragically revolutionary ways because of the, the way our society and culture can shape and minimize us and, and wound us, um, I'm just seeing the return on that investment in my own healing and how that can have a ripple effect into other folks' healing as well, um, not just the folks who I work with, but also the people who receive the work. So Rooted and Rejoice are you know, it'll, it's interesting to put them on stage out of context, out of this longer piece that was multidisciplinary, had video work and, and live performance and some audio as well. Um, but there are two, one's a quartet, rooted as a quartet to a Hugh Masekela piece called Child of the Earth. Um, and the other is Rejoice, it's to Toast, a much more contemporary song by young reggae artist Coffee first woman to win the, the Grammy for Best Reggae Album is here. Um, and they're just really pieces that are, like I said, they're not, they're not linear narratives. Rooted is, is inspired by the song itself, which is all about being grounded in nature and being a child of the earth. And, um, and Rejoice is what it sounds like as well. It's really a rejoicing piece. It's to this upbeat, um, popular reggae track and 
Um, there are five dancers in it, and all of the work is kind of about pattern and sequence and number and relationship um, on stage. So, and for the first time, I'm not I'm not performing in my work, which is the, the unusual mm. thing for me. So I have five mm. dancers, beautiful people, who will be carrying this work for me on stage. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in your work, um, as well as uh, Gabriel and uh, Chipueze, uh, is going to be at Dance Mission Theater um, February 29th and March 1st. Yours is both days, uh, Dana, but uh, Gabriel and Chipueze, your work is only Sunday, which is kind of fitting, you know, considering what it's about yeah. and where it takes place. Is that on yeah. purpose? <laughs> I mean, we didn't curate it, like but I think that's a, a, yeah, a good call from Laura Ellis, who's the curator for this festival. So I'm sure she was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, for our, our uh, I guess I didn't get a chance to hear our great conversation in two parts. Um, Gabriel Christian, <laughs> uh, they, them, is an American artist bred in New York City. Uh, let's see, Wapinger, uh, Lenape Land. Um, mm-hmm. And Bacon in Oakland, uh, Chiochenyo Ohlone Land. I like that. That's really nice. Um, in your bio, this is the first time I've ever read, you know, someone talking about the indigenous people in their bio. Chaboise like, has it too. Yeah, Chaboise has mm-hmm, it. They do. So yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it makes sense. You know, you all are a team. Um, for more right. than ten years, uh, their work has metabolized the vernaculars with Black uh, BL. Diaspora, Futurity, and Afro How do you pronounce it? Afro Yeah, Vivalism. Thank you. Afro Oh my, this is great. Faggotry through high dramatic, structured improvisation, poetics, and collaborative practices. Moreover, they feel the bio to be in the unfortunate lineage of value models like chattel slavery. Like, okay. Let <laughs> that, that, that sink in. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Chibweze Kraut is a Nigerian-American performance teaching artist born in, on uh, Pocasset land, uh, Danbury, Connecticut. So you reverse it. You, you give. Mm. I, I like this. Your bios are nice. <laughs> <laughs> like you give it the the original people sort of present. It's like okay, and now they call it this the, the conquer, you know, the colonizers. Currently living on um, uh, Cochinio Ohlone land, Oakland, California. Her creative practice travels theater and ritual, examining diasporic longing, uh, Igbo uh, cosmology, and constructions of queer identity through masquerade, song, text, and live performance. Her work is a slow trickle of blood sliding down your forearm, the sweetest juice of an overripe fruit. You almost don't notice it until it stains your good shirt, then you can never forget where it came from. <laughs> and they are performing excerpts from their evening-length work, Mouthful, a personal exploration of spirituality within and outside of religious institutions that they describe as a new mass where we can feel truly whole and holy. All righty, so... Tell us about it again, and um, and how you're gonna do it in this space. I'm just like, wow, that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I would say um, this, thing, this mm-hmm. is sort of the first time that we've done. Um, although we done we did like a little preview of it, like a deconstructed version of this piece. Um, mm-hmm. I've been called the feedback at Joe Good a few maybe last week, and um, okay, and I feel like yeah, this version is not going to be the version you necessarily saw, um, mm-hmm. Wanda, but the, it's going to be. So I think it'll definitely be pulling parts. I think what's beautiful about this year is that this piece. It's sort of been curated into a few different things. Um, and so we're going to um, be sort of like using these showings as I feel like not work in progress, but just sort of like digging in deeper to certain parts that we didn't have a chance to really mm-hmm. explore in the shorter show we did in December. Um, because in June we have a larger, longer version of it going up at, in the National Queer Arts oh. Festival um, at Grace Cathedral and hopefully at Glide Memorial Church also. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's the date on that again? We're still getting the dates, but one of them should be the 19th. But you will you'll hear from us soon about the exact dates as we iron out the the venues. At Grace yeah. Cathedral, like for real? Mm-hmm. Grace yeah, Cathedral scale. A- that one's a definite. Yeah. Yeah, and and is that the, is that the the backdrop of the photo? Exactly. Yes, it is. So it's like all full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, for real! Like, that's gonna be so yeah. heck awesome. Oh yes. <laughs> we're really excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! 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 Mm-hmm. Wow! But yeah, Dan's mission is definitely going to be a little different, as Gabe was saying, kind of a little bit more of a deconstruction of some of what you saw at um, Counterpulse mm-hmm. Wanda, but also yeah. kind of uh-huh. expanding certain parts, certain movement parts, as also, as well as some of our testimony um, in a deeper mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, wow! And and will you be have like that special? Um, Section for the black people, the African people, the people that identify as Yeah, that's a great question. I think we're trying to figure out based on the venues uh how exactly we want to do that or if we're gonna have a different kind of seating arrangement, um, whether it's at Dance Mission or at Grace Cathedral, because obviously the space is different and we can't always bring all the same set pieces as we had in the first piece. Mm-hmm. But that's something mm-hmm. that me and Gabriel are talking about as we get in the space and as we work out um how we wanna perform it for these next two iterations. Yeah, mm-hmm. what will be interesting is that yeah. this also will be just we'll just this will just be the duet. It won't be like we don't have any guest artists for this version, so I mm-hmm. think okay. it's going to be us really leaning into the um, the part of the show. Yeah, that you saw that was. Um, I, I feel like I mean, there's a few things we have to just figure out in terms of timing. We have a very short amount of time, so it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to show maybe just the duet part of our work that we did last time. For dance, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for dance mission. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and we're just having this inside conversation. So, yeah, could you talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about the work? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, for our audience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's um it's an exploration of space um, coming from two black queer artists who both have very different relationships to the church and grew up in church, um, have left or had different relationships with spirituality as adults. Um, in our original performance at Counterpulse, we had uh, 11 different artists that we worked with who kind of did these praise breaks during the middle of the show. Each show was kind of structured sort of like a, a church service where Gabriel and I presented our testimonies through movement and song and through ritual at the beginning of the show. And then towards the end, we have these praise breaks of different featured artists. <clears throat> um, and for Dance Mission, as Gabe said, it'll just be the two of us um, doing pieces from the show, most likely 
movement scores and other things like that. But for our full evening length show at National Queer Arts Festival, we um, are going to have ourselves as well as two other artists, um, Rashad Pridgen of Global Street Dance Masquerade and Uzong Wangkapa, oh. um, a performance artist and nurse, actually practicing nurse um, who does healing arts, who will both be featured in the show as praise breakers um, and co-collaborators in certain parts. Um, so it's going to be a longer show while also a much smaller show at the same time because we had a lot of people um, in that original production. And we also had, as Wanda said, special kind of seating. Um, we had all our Black participants, audience members as well, um, on stage with us with these pews that we got for our show that really made it feel like a church space. Um, but obviously now for Dance Mission, we're going to be in Dance Mission, which is a different venue. And then for our eventual evening length show, we're going to be in an actual church. So that's going to change a lot how that seating and those kind of things will happen. Um, do you want to add any more, Gabe? That covered a lot, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's important is that we're kind of questioning, yeah, where, where our where our faith is now, what keeps us alive. Those are kind of big questions, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, maybe community is the answer. Maybe it's each other. There's, I think the answer is still up in the air, but the piece seeks to act, to sort of get the question out there, what keeps us alive. And many times mm-hmm. people say that it's church or it's community or it's the spirituality. So I think we're in this okay. place of like navigating our own version of that exactly as to um, diasporic artists from different sort of parts of uh, of, the, of the diaspora. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in our in our closing minutes, um, Dana, do you you want to talk a little bit more about your work? It seems that um, yeah, that you know the three of you um, on the air at the same time um, that your work. Uh, sort of philosophically, you know, sort of shares some of the mm-hmm. same values. Have you ever worked together, um, like on in creating anything? We 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 work in orbits around each other, and we work yeah. together in relationships. <laughs> um, yes, I, <laughs> I yeah, love Dana's work. I, I was I took Dana's. Oh, go ahead, Dana. Sorry. No, you go ahead, Gabe. We love I your was work. Say, yeah. We love your work, and we also, <laughs> we also yeah, they also an incredible teacher and uh, leads these classes, I think, weekly. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next classes. Yeah, so I can say. <laughs> yeah, no, we we do have, we definitely, Wanda, you are absolutely right that we have a lot of philosophical overlap. I think um, that's one of the beautiful things about being here in Oakland for me is is encountering these very like-minded kindred spirits who are making work that's, really grounded in the same principles and the beautiful diversity of the work that comes out of that same orientation. Um, so I feel that kind of kinship with Chibwe and Gabriel for sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, these, these classes, oh, were you going to say something, Gabe? No. no. <laughs> so these classes, um, these classes are really, really a product of my continued grounding in my own healing and, and commitment to doing what felt right for me in the dance world. And my, my background in dance, I started in ballet at age three at a really pretty strict traditional ballet school. And my big sister was also a dancer. And I, um, I, I grew a little rebellious as a result of a lot of what I encountered in that world and how it didn't feel like it sat well with me. And I actually ended up landing in nightclubs and underground house music clubs in New York when I was pretty young. And um, that just changed my whole relationship to movement and exploration of sound and embodying sound and, and what it means to really be present with movement rather than to imitate the canon of movement. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what my practice is grounded in. And that's also what my classes, these movement classes that I teach um, weekly at Oak Stop in Oakland, um, are also grounded in this, this 
healing relationships and movement and, and folks tend to get an experience that, that, that is reflected back to me as really one that, that helps to mend their relationship to, to movement and particularly to movement in the studio setting, which can just be, um, you know, not to sound extreme about it, but I really believe that there's a very colonial relationship to the way that we exist in dance studios and on dance stages rather than in these clubs that I come from, which are very black, very queer places um, that allow for a lot more liberation in my experience. So I try to channel some of that into my creative process in the more, you know, quote unquote, formal dance worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about, about these courses that these classes that you teach at Oak Stop. Um, like, is there a website when it happens? Yeah. For people who are interested. Um, yeah, so the classes are called Groovement. It's a it's an exclusively Afrocentric and queer centric space, so all people are welcome. Um, and it's Tuesday nights from six thirty to eight pm. Um, the information can be found on Oakstock's website and social media, and also on my Instagram. And I'm just findable by my name, Dana Fitzit, um, everywhere. So that's um. Yeah, they're going on at least through next month, through March, um, but okay. we'll probably extend them to the spring as well. And they're really, they're all level classes. It's a broad range of dance, like different types of dance experience, relationships, and movement, and it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Thanks. And um, yeah. uh, Gabriel and Ibueze, uh, um, any um any concluding thoughts um, on on this iteration of of the work, mouthful, um, and uh, just sort of about your aesthetic, and and just sort of just at this particular point in time, you know, there's so much happening, um, you know, in the world and in this country, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think something just happened. The Boy Scouts of America want to um, do a chapter uh, nine. Um, you know, they want to. Um, what do they want to declare bankruptcy? Because oh, mm. you know, there've been so many, so many charges leveled against the the organization about uh, you know uh, about um, you know sexual uh, um, violence against boys. They're being sued like right and left. Um, yeah, so it's like, whoa, the Boy Scouts, really, the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then you know, you think about the Catholic Church too, right? But then you think about other. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you just think about these formal bodies, period, you know, just sort of the same thing, something about this sort of formalizing these structures sort of leaves them open to such abuse, right? The people that right. are part of these institutions, um, because the institution is it's not real anyway, it's just a form, like people sort of disappear and and and, and get, you know, really taken advantage of in horrible ways. And then we have art, right? And we have yeah. these these truths being um being fashioned in a way that one can digest them even if they're hard. And so, you know, you're mm. deconstructing something that mm. is really um primary to a lot of people's lives, right? You know, like mm. their faith. Like, whoa, really? What happens? I mean, you know, yeah, you no. say something in, in your in your in your um uh in your narrative, Shabi's way, um, like about about God and it's like, Okay, we're seated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do I need to lie down, right? Do I need to get up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That's yeah, just my I mean, position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those histories of violence that you just named are a very critical part of these church spaces, like any institution, right? Like you were saying, it's mm-hmm. they're not necessarily they're created to uphold this spiritual practice that people have, but the institution themselves um, can often be very false or harmful or harsh um, as a vehicle for that faith or as a container for that faith and that practice. And so I think Mm -hmm. one thing that Gabriel and I are thinking a lot about as we perform this piece again, and we were thinking about in the last version, um, was just how do we hold that violence, hold that those very fraught histories while also acknowledging that, as you said, this is a very primary part of people's lives. People structure their whole lives around church in spaces like that um, because there is something that brings that continuously brings people back despite that violence. There's a community, there's a catharsis, there's relationships within those spaces that people do return to. Um, and that can, you know, sometimes have at least the, the core of it for some folks can sometimes be a positive thing, even with those harmful structures. Um, and so, yeah, we are really thinking about how do we deconstruct, like hold and understand those violent histories and deconstruct those institutions and violent histories to get to the core of what spirituality and what faith, spaces can be, especially for marginalized, what are the ways that we've transmuted that pain and that grief into something that actually does hold us up while also acknowledging that the thing, the the structure itself might not be the only way to do something. Um, so it's something that we're thinking about a lot as we do this again and as we, we work through new versions of the piece and something that we were grappling with, I think, in the last piece as well. Yeah, just to... Um back on that I think it's just also really great to I mean being in this in this festival, this Black Hierarchist Festival feels like such a interesting sort of honor like to be around other black art makers, other black mm-hmm. dance art makers who are doing I think the work of, of galvanizing community in the way that we're hoping to do in the in the work that we make. Mm-hmm. I think like having black folks on stage with us at Counterpost for that last iteration was a response to the lack of black audience or black folks in general yeah. in that theater yeah. space. And so I think this festival will be very different because we're working already to work kind of already preaching to the choir that is us and asking again yeah. what kind of faith have we inherited from these things that are maybe imposed <laughs> on on us through colonization, through do diet mm. work, um, sort of like a forgetting that I feel like we actually have found ways to maintain some really, some really brilliant ways of being in, um, in community and in liberation and also in solidarity, despite having sort of these mm. imposed institutions that we that we put our trust in. So, uh, not to say that Christianity uh, doesn't have, of course, a lot of spaces where it's producing really beautiful minds, really beautiful voices, really beautiful art. But there's a question that has to be asked about what exactly. You know, what ways have, have has that become uh, a stand-in for things that used to be just other people? We used to look, really love and, and mm. hold our faith to other people, and now it's moving towards perhaps another place, which is beyond our mm-hmm. beyond our claim. And I'm I'm just curious about mm-hmm. that version. I know Tweezy has similar questions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we are out of time, unfortunately. Um, but this has been this has been a really really great teaser for our audience, and they definitely need to get over to um, Dance Mission for the second um, week of Black Choreographers Festival 16th yes. anniversary season, um, uh, mm-hmm. February 29th, the Leap Year Day, yeah, and um, yeah. and March 1st, um, which is <laughs> the only day that you'll be able to catch um, <laughs> uh, Jueze and Gabriel's work um, for the moment until, you know, they do it at Grace Cathedral. You're like, oh, my God. And it's going to be bigger and different. Every time you do it, it's different. 
yeah. And I just want to, I just want to quickly add to as a participant in Dana's dance classes, run, don't walk to Oak Stop. They're so much fun. They're really, really okay. great. And Dana's a great teacher. Nice. I just want to add that in there. I was burning exactly. that. Oh, oh thank, you. thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Cool, cool. All righty. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been really thanks wonderful everyone. talking to you, you again. And Dana, um, definitely it. want this to not be the last time we speak. And I'm going to try to yeah. make it over to one of your classes before they end because I, I like a good dance class. And so, yeah, we got we got some um, yeah, we got some affirmations happening in the studio. So it's like okay. <laughs> All right, All right. you all take good care. Thank yeah. you so okay, much. <laughs> Cheers. All right, peace and blessings. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Brother Terha, Ah, how are you? Good morning. I'm good doing morning. good. Good morning. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so we are <clears throat> talking. So you're a Community Ready Corps. Are you the founder of Community Ready Corps? I'm one of the founders, yes. One of the founders. Okay. And uh, you're like sort of central to um, the organizing of Black Solidarity Week, which began on Monday the 17th, and um, mm-hmm. and it continues. Continuing, you had a program yesterday, you have a program tonight, et cetera, et cetera. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, okay. and Black Solidarity Week and what's coming up and how people can find out so they can plug in. Absolutely. My name is Terha Ak. I'm uh, one of the founders of the Community Ready Corps, um, born in Monroe, Louisiana, same uh, birthplace of Minister Huey P. Newton. Uh, uh-huh. Been organizing in the Bay Area about 30-plus um, years. Uh, you know, I came to Oakland, California in order to, because of the, the legacy of the party, Um and I came here to specifically organize. So from the day I touched down in the Bay Area till today, we've been organizing and, and trying to, in some way, uh, honor the legacy of Minister Huey P. Newton and all of the folks that came before us that believed in investing in and uh, committing to our people and our advancement. So uh, I think that that's the most relevant thing about my life. Uh, is the work and, and attempting to be some type of servant to the community in one form or another. You know, as we grow, we go through different iterations of it, uh, different methodologies. We learn, we make mistakes, we, we get up, dust ourselves off. But if we're persistent, we find the right method. So, you know, I think that that's the most relevant thing is that we've been here in the Bay Area putting in work for the past 30 years. Yeah, that's that's really significant. Thirty years is a long time. It's a you long know, time. To, and 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 I see, you know, I see the members of of uh, Community Ready Corps because you know you you usually um, you you show up in all black and uh, and and we feel safer because one of the things that you do is you teach us how to um, how to defend ourselves as well as um, as well as an alternative to the um, uh, the um, the structures, you know, uh, that are set up by the, the municipalities, like the police. We don't need the police because we call you all, right? Uh, right on. Right yeah, on. yeah. So that's really, really wonderful. And we, we really do feel safe because <laughs> you're us. 
<laughs> and that means a lot. That means a lot hearing it from the community. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's ultimately what Black Solidarity Week is all about. You know, we 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 launched this in 2017 on. Uh, and, and the whole purpose is we launched it on Minister Huey P. Newton's birthday, and then we run it through the assassination, the commemoration of the assassination of Malcolm X or L. Hodge L. Militia Bass. Um, we we do that because, first of all, these are important dates, uh, and and what we what we hope to do. So Black History Month is a thing, right? And 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 there's a lot that rightfully so there's a perspective that black history is 365 days a year, which it is all day, every day. Uh, But we also take these organizing opportunities for our folks because that is the spirit of Minister Huey P. Newton. The spirit of Minister Huey P. Newton and his intellect, his genius, was, was he was an organizer, and he gauged himself on those terms. He gauged himself on how well he could actually do beneficial organizing for the people. And and a lot of Minister Huey's legacy is, is, is misinterpreted, misconstrued. And, of course, there were contradictions and there were problems, but that's, you know, my, my brother said one time, he said, you know, uh, Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. said one time, he said that, that, yeah, there were contradictions. There were contradictions in the party. There were contradictions with Minister Huey. There were contradictions. But those same problems exist in white organizations, and they have endured. They're still around, as problematic and predatory as they were. So it couldn't have been the contradictions that destroyed the party. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's important. And that's important because, yes, the contradictions are important. Yes, the state took advantage of the contradictions. But it is also important to not let the contradictions be the whole story. Because there's so much genius that was there. There was so much genius that's beneficial for us right now. There's so many things that are relevant for us right now in relationship to the legacy. So for us, it's about making sure that we dive into the to the organizing legacy and what was done correct. And that doesn't mean we don't omit the contradictions because that's important also. But but because of what the, the the government has done around these legacies, they make sure we're clear on the contradictions. They make sure that we're clear on the mistakes and the problems. But what doesn't happen is we don't dive as deep as we can into the organizing genius of these great people that came before us. And so Black Solidarity Week is about organizing as well as celebrating, but definitely adding that organizing component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, tell us about the, um, you know, what's happening, you know, each day of the um, Black Solidarity Week, um, what happened yesterday and what's happening tonight and so forth. And, and so I'll start with asking everybody to go to blacksolidarity.org. If you go to blacksolidarity.org, you'll get an overview of what black solidarity is all about. We have the black solidarity, uh, uh, black, the black solidarity agenda. We have a Black Solidarity Plan of Action. Uh, we we talk about the Black Solidarity yearly points of organizing, uh, and, and and so you'll see there what this is rooted in and what our aspiration and objectives are. 
when you go to this this blacksolidarity.org webpage. Uh, and then it has a list of events, and I will go through these events, but it is very important to see that this is rooted in trying to go somewhere organizing-wise because Black Solidarity is a launching point for yearly organizing, not just a, a symbolic ceremonial thing. And so what we do, what the, the week has been laid out, and as on Monday, we had an opening uh, uh, ritual or ceremony that was to call the ancestors out. So we came out, we had the drums, we had a libation, then we had a second-line march. <clears throat> and then the second-line march, we came back, and the uh, brother and his uh, the, uh, the and sister, Wolfhawk Jaguar and his wife, they did a performance for us, and it was it was a, 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 a calling out the ancestors. We wanted to be in solidarity with the ancestors first and foremost and honor those traditions. Uh, as we move forward into the modern <clears throat> expression of what those ancestors stood for. And so uh, last night we had a disaster preparation training. Uh, we we taught people, in, particularly in the Bay Area, about earthquakes and, and, and ready packs and, um, and, and preparation for that, what to do before preparation, what to do while an earthquake is happening, and what to do after. Um, one of the places you can go to get more information on that is GetReadyStayReady.org, and that's GetReadyStayReady.org. Uh, so that was last night. And today we are doing a panel discussion, uh, and it's a discussion between those uh, uh, proponents of ADOS and Pan-Africanism, and, and we know that those viewpoints are counter often. And we have seen the back and forth, but in the spirit of solidarity, we're saying we're trying to bring folks together to the table and say, is there common ground? If not, why? And if there is not common ground, if we cannot find some points of unity, because that's what we're seeking is points of unity, because those people who oppress us, the state, the government, whatever, what, however we want to label it, they find these opportunities, and sometimes they create ideologies that are meant to take away from more progressive, more revolutionary, more beneficial. So what we want to do is we want to bring these conversations, these, these perspectives to the table and see if there are points of unity, analyze both of them. So we have two speakers, uh, Chris Lodgins and uh, Quado, and I, 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 I don't want to mispronounce my brother's name, formerly known as Dwayne Dieterville, uh speaking oh, yeah. on the panel tonight. And, and, and the brother formerly known as Dwayne Dieterville will be speaking on behalf of Pan-Africanism. The brother Chris Lodgins will be speaking on behalf of uh, ADOS. And then what we hope to do is pull our points of unity and walk out of that meeting with things that we can work together on. Uh, and where is that and at? That is at Joyce Gordon's Gallery in downtown Oakland. Uh, and I apologize, I don't have Joyce Gordon's. Uh, exact address right in front of me right now. I'll pull it up before we leave and before I get off and let you all know. But it's Joyce Gordon's Gallery in downtown Oakland. If you Google it, it's a prominent uh, fixture here in Oakland, and you can find it. But I'll try to pull that address up before we get off. Um, and then tomorrow, there yeah, is a uh, block house. That's 406 14th Street in Oakland. 
Thank you. That's 406 14th Street in Oakland, California. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, there's a black housing union discussion. We have not I, tied down a date because I'm waiting. I mean, a, a location. That's at 6 o'clock. That may be at Joyce Gordon also. They have some problems with their original location, but that is moving forward. And as soon as we get the location tied down, we will be announcing it. We felt like this conversation was very important because of what's happening around the nation in relationship to black people, housing, and gentrification. Uh, We were an instrumental part of organizing Moms for for Housing. Uh, And I'm not sure how many people are familiar with that, but it it has become an international movement. Uh, Moms for Housing, and so we were one of the primary organizers on that movement. And so, and 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 anybody who's not familiar, I don't want to take up too much time going into that. You can look it up; it's all over the web, internet, so you you can find a lot of information about Moms for Housing. Uh, but the Black Housing Union is something that's been launched here in Oakland. And it's a, a, a union that's being formed of black renters and homeowners that are attempting to create equity in the housing sector. And so they're meeting tonight, I mean Thursday, I'm sorry, Thursday, February 20th at 6 o'clock, and the location will has changed, so we'll be, uh, be announcing that. And if you need to get more information, if you go to the Black Solidarity Facebook page, once again, that's the Black Solidarity Facebook page. You can pull up uh, the events, and so any changes will always be in those on that events event page. So I'll, I'm in a meeting after this call to tie down that location. So you know, in an hour or so, everybody should go and check out and find out the new location for Thursday, February 20th, for the Black Housing Union, and then Saturday we're having an art as a tool. Solidation Celebration. We say the Solidation Celebration. Solidation is a term that's been outdated, but we're bringing it back. It means to make things solid. And so we're having a Solidation Celebration where we celebrate the end of the week, but also gear ourselves up and charge ourselves up to move forward into the year with organizing. You know, our people like celebrations, and we need them. We need joy also. So, we're going to have that art as a tool, and the concept of art as a tool is that means that art should be used on behalf of our folks in investing in us in these in, in, in what we call the nine areas. And when you go to the blacksolidarity.org, you'll see our nine area focus for organizing. And that, and that I'm sorry, that, that is at the parliament in Oakland, California, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry, I don't have that in front of me either because I'm, I'm coming out of a meeting into this phone call. So I was walking okay. right out of a meeting made this phone call. So the <laughs> parliament in <laughs> Oakland, you. California. Okay, I can look at a parliament. Yeah, the parliament in Oakland, California, and we'll start, we'll have a panel discussion starting at 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock and then we'll have a celebration starting at 6. So that's the artists performing. So the panel discussion will be at three o'clock. Okay. And the uh, performances yeah. will start at six. Okay. So the Parliament is located at eight eleven Washington Street in Oakland. Eight eleven Washington. That's eight eleven Washington Street. Yeah. Eight eleven Washington Street is the Parliament. The art is a tool. Solidation celebration, 
And also, I, I think it's very important to, to state that this year, we weren't sure we were going to do events or any of these things this year because we came right out of organizing. And like I said, if, if folks are not familiar with Moms for Housing, you should look it up. At the end of that campaign, we were attacked by the sheriff's department. They brought in tanks, helicopters, all of that. And so we were so caught up in all of that and trying to push back and make sure that, that there was accountability around all of those things that we – didn't know if we were going to have time to even pull off Black Solidarity Week this, this year, but we decided to push forward. We decided to not let that stop the organizing, so we are definitely moving and organizing at the same time. So I know, uh, one, that you got to see some of the kinks. It's not, everything didn't necessarily flow as well as we wanted to on the first night, but it came together and it was beautiful. Because uh, mm-hmm. our motto was, we say, well, there's one or one thousand, two or ten thousand. We're gonna get out here and we're gonna <laughs> do it, and we're gonna keep this rolling. So that's where we are this year. We 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 are definitely coming in out of organizing. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of lead in time, but it's still coming together beautifully. So, mm-hmm. uh, and thank you for having us on. Thank you all for having us on this morning, because more than anything else, we want to be having this conversation about black solidarity even more than the events. What's most important is this this dialogue between us and our people about what solidarity means to them. So Right. Cool. Super. And um uh Brother Che uh sent me um something that um about about black solidarity. Um yes. and uh I don't know what it is because I haven't listened to it. But but mm-hmm. I could play it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, it, it actually okay. gives us a synopsis. Oh, super, super. So, um, so I was going to let that end our, our our conversation. So, is there anything else that you want to um, tell our our guests, our um, our listeners, before um, before we play this and um, and and conclude our conversation and the show? <laughs> well, once again, so I just want to say thank you all for having us on, and everybody go check out BlackSolidarity.org. And check out that throughout the year because we will be, this will be the, the station for the organizing around Black Solidarity uh, throughout the year. So blacksolidarity.org, please go check that out. Thank you all. Okay, super. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for you know, stepping out of a meeting into the studio. And I know you have another meeting to uh, figure out, yes. you know, this location. So then you could post it on, on the website. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, look forward to seeing you at some of the other organizing events. And wonderful. Um, I'm really happy that, you know, you all do what you do. Because it's really good, important work. And, and, and definitely, you know, as uh, uh, Chairman Fred Hampton said, you know, that, um Oh no no actually it was um um Kwame um Ture said about organizing how we need to um they probably both said it but I remember, that we need to be organized and and that's how we that's right. we, we make we do work you know that's how we make um uh strides that's how you know moms you know for Oakland you know were able to to defeat the beast right because they were organized Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, so this is a this is a space that people who are not connected could become connected. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and and That's you right. all are like well, so visible, you. and you do work all year long. So Black Solidarity Week is a good place to like step in and 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 start moving forward with others that 
you know, have, right. you know, revolutionary consciousness, you know, at its core for black people That's specifically. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, cool. Well, thank you. And I'm going to All play right. this um, so we can hear about what is Black Solidarity Week, right? <laughs> yes, that's what it is. They give you a whole rundown on it. Okay, super. Black Solidarity Week is an event we launched in 2018. Uh, it's an annual event. And we started on Minister Huey P. Newton's birthday, and we run it through the weekend after the commemoration of Malcolm X's El Hajj Malik Shabazz's assassination. The whole point and purpose for Black Solidarity Week was to begin to contribute to the discussion because we want to make it clear that we're not saying anything new. We're not doing anything new. There have been generations of leadership organizations and communities that have worked on solidarity. And so ours is just another contribution to that long-standing effort of successes and failures. This is just an effort to do the same thing. So we're going to end the show with a rebroadcast of Skylar Cooper talking about her, talking about his one-man show. At theater first. I've been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head Just in case I had to run I do what I can when I can While I can for my people While the clouds roll back in the sky
Wow, that was so beautiful. Stand up. Uh, Cynthia Irv. Irvo? Irvio? Irv. Gosh, I'm, I'm killing her name. I need to. Sorry. <laughs> I need to practice this one. Yeah, sorry about that. But um, she portrayed Harriet in the film by the same title, and it was so wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited. We are joined by Hello, this our... is Skyler. Yes. Hi, Skyler. <laughs> How are you? Hi. Hi, <laughs> Wanda. How are you? Oh, it's been a minute since we've had an opportunity to have a conversation and... Wow, what better opportunity than to talk to you about a one-man show, The Play, that's opening (laughs) in repertory uh, next week, February 15th, and it's going to be, I think you get like, um, almost like a month, you know, Um, and you're you're in repertory with... um, Another another actor and uh, it's a part of the theater. First, history keeps me awake. Queer voices in, in repertory, um, the fifteenth through the seventh. And uh, wow, yeah. So, <laughs> tell us about um, a one man show. Um, I mean, I could read the blurb, but hey, you're live. <laughs> oh, well, thank and, you. Thank you. And so I'm going to let you tell us about, about your work. But I was just thinking, you know, um, sort of the, the last song that I played, you know, I come to prepare a place, right? Um, and we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, Harriet, that the song from the film. And when <laughs> uh, oh, wow. you know, when that song comes out, it's like, oh, my, think about, you know, this work. Um, it's It's yeah. preparing a place, right? You know, for... Yeah. For other other you know um, trans people to be able to like step correct. in because because you told that story right and that and the so way correct. that you tell stories you are just like oh my god I mean you know you have a fan base right <laughs> uh, do I oh that's so great uh, yes you yes, know I do I'm know I, I guess I do know um, mm-hmm. thank you Wanda wow thank you for this introduction it's I'm really really humbled and. And really open, you know, like so wide open right now. Um, you know, just this is what I'm a, I'm a very, and I guess this is me. I'm a very open book, and um, you know, when I started this one man show, the the idea came last year when John Tracy we talked about it, and then from that, um, I said, well, you know, I I have some projects and. Um, Let's see how the summer goes because I was cast to play Othello as the first trans man uh, to play Othello on a professional stage. And so I was just like, okay, I really want to find the way I can bring this this, this journey uh, of my my trans um, identity as an artist and how I could bring it into the one man show. But I realized as I was as I started writing that a good bulk of my my story was lived as a black female, you know, it was my journey. And so often you hear that, like with, uh, with trans people, it's, it is a journey. Um, it's, um, I met a, a famous actor, his name is Oba Babatunde, and he said something that I thought was so profound. Um, he said, we're, we're not hatched, we're born, you know, and, and I so believe that, like, you don't come in this world and like, this is who you are. You know, you come into who you are. And that's a one-man show. A one-man show is a very uh, honest and vulnerable look 
at how I came to existence. And I think with anybody I've met that have gone through <laughs> fire, you know, they, and they're still standing, they become stronger. Um, but they only can be stronger if they can be vulnerable. If they can look back and go, yeah, I went through all of that, but I went through that to be who I am now. You know, I'm not just this one thing or, or you know, it's like, uh, it is like we're creation. We're a creation. And I am absolutely a work in progress. So even as I wrote the one man show, I'm just like, you know, I talked to John Tracy and I said, I, I know I don't want it to end with, okay. And then that's it book and you know I'm done and it's not that because I don't see life like that you know it should feel ongoing and I want people to be happy about the journey they on they are on whether it's uh challenging right now but the longer you go it will change you know there's this like there's no one um experience in life that that just we just cannot grow that way and so I think that's the one-man show. It just really shows that journey of ups and downs and how I came to be today. And, and I'm just really proud to be able to, to work with Theater First, John Tracy, Dominique Lozano, um, Lisa Evans. Just this collaboration is just, I'm so blessed to have them. Uh, when you see it, you'll see that it just, it's just not one person. You know, it's just, it, in this sense, in the creative process, it is a teamwork. You know, so I think One Man Show is a funny title because, you know, we all come into life and in some ways we are a one-man show, you know, but when you're actually putting it on the scene, it's, it's a multiple people show, you know? And so mm-hmm. so, it, it, it's so I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited about this journey. Um, but I think I started out by saying that when I started this, I was really open. So I had... When I came out of Othello, I had um, lost my dog, my, my companion, uh, Frida Rome. She was a basset hound, and, and I didn't expect it. And it happened as I was starting to write, and I was really, really challenged by that. And I just thought, you know, I don't know if I can, can do this, you know. But I thought, a friend of mine said to me, will you be a year, uh, a year from now, will you be where you want to be? if you pulled out from everything and just grieved, right? And I said, wow, no, I won't, you know? And so I utilized that experience, that feeling, that openness, and I, I gave myself endless compassion to be able to write it. And I'm so grateful that I did because, because I gave myself compassion. I was able to tell those stories that I was ashamed of at one point. I was like, Oh, you know, oh, no, I can do this, you know. So it's just, um, it's, it's really a gift. It's a blessing to be able to tell it and to tell it in the Bay Area, uh, which is such a supportive uh, community here. And it's important to tell it now um, in, this, mm-hmm. in this time we're in, in this country. Um, it's, it's a scary time. But I think with the work I'm doing, it just magnifies the importance of it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think it was um, someone, oh, I think it was Viola Davis had made this analogy of um, you have to have a seat at the table, 
basically, mm-hmm. in order to affect change. And so, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm doing with this show. I, I'm staying at the table. And, um, and I think that the best way to give an alternative to the stories that we're hearing right now that seem negative and seem hopeless, the alternative to that is to put forth stories that are positive and uplifting. It just is, you know, it just, that's the way you do it. And so you, you have other stories. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. So that's a a one man show. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, Ron Dellums also talked about, you know, make sure we have a seat at that table because, you know, that's, it's our house. (laughs) Langston Hughes Mm -hmm. talks about it too in a lot of his poetry, um, you know, that when he talks about, you know, America, you know, that it's our America, not their America. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking when you were talking about how we have that, you know, that binary uh, chicken or egg, right? And there's more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 We are more than that. And, and I know when people, I've had people talk to me about, you know, the, the, what the story is about, like being born a, a Baptist minister's daughter who doesn't believe in God. And like right there, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, how does that, you know, go? And is this going to be a show about, you know, some people might think, oh, this is a show about, oh, you're not about Christianity or a, a gig against Christianity. And it is absolutely not. Um, it is, in fact, I think is the homage more to spirituality um, mm-hmm. and the importance of it. And I think that's another element that is in this country that, you know, if you don't have one faith, then therefore you're not welcome to the table. And that's just not true. Um, I think that what I've learned in my journey is in many ways, like we have health for different modalities of, of, of keeping our health the way we want to to be fit, you know? So like, for instance, Mm -hmm. for your body, you might want yoga or you might want CrossFit, right? But it's all for the gain of to have fitness. Uh, For your mind, some people like to read. Some people might do other things to give themselves mental health. But for some reason, when we get to the spirit, there's no um, understanding about we have a choice in how to be spiritually healthy. And that's what I had to learn in, in, this, uh, in this story is that it's about choosing your spiritual health because I think at the end of the day, that's really what we want. So it's, it's a show that, that shows that alternative, that there's no black and white, um, that there's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't it be easier if there was, it was just like, you know, those polarities, right? It's like, okay, you stand mm-hmm. over here or you stand over there. It's like, oh, no, it's not that easy. Gosh, I can't even see over there really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I can't see over there until I see where I am, right? Like, okay, this stuff here needs to become more clear before I can see over mm-hmm. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, wow. So, gosh, um, Baptist minister's daughter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Afraid to tell her parents she liked girls. Right. Didn't believe right. in God. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> wish to become a, really... a man. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's conflict in the first sentence, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's like, oh, and then being black in America, you know, you, you, that oh. comes into play. And, and, and right. it's just... 
and that just goes without saying. I don't, I don't know that I, I, I would, I even put that in there, but I think it goes without saying. I would think that people can go, oh, okay, so you're, you're, you were a Baptist minister's daughter who didn't believe in God, liked girls, and didn't identify with the gender you assigned. And you're black? <laughs> okay. You know, so it's like, wow. <laughs> so, thank you much. And um, so I think that <laughs> it's not been a boring life. <laughs> I can tell mm-hmm. you that. And I'm grateful for that. I think that when I look back, and I, the, just the amazing and diverse group of friends that I've come in contact with uh, who have challenges as well like just life feels that out for us and uh and i feel that it really is it starts with your core your spirit that 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 inner voice and how it sees your you know your world and i think that based on that i'll tell you how challenging your life will be but i i truly believe that we come into existence with a knowing, like we have an inner voice of who we are. And it's just about being brave enough to give yourself that, to become who you want to be, you know, and rather than what others want you to be. And so that's a, that's a definite um, theme in this show that I would hope mm-hmm. comes across to the audience. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you are you portraying um these various characters um and I I know that <laughs> the work is in development, you know, as of like last night you got a new draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, just cut, because the show is it's like it is so much story. You know, and I didn't it, the other thing is I didn't think it was going to be this memoir, but it turned into like a, a live memoir, and I'm certainly going to hold on to it. It's actually like an outline for, for the memoir okay. book I will eventually write uh, because there's mm. so much more story that I cannot pack into an hour. And I, and I, I was telling my partner, you know, because I was talking about the, some of the stories I'm sharing, and I, I can see how vulnerable they are, and I I would I would hope that even when people see that, they still wouldn't know the whole story. <laughs> there's just, you know, there's so much more, you know, that goes on. But I think that uh, the the memoir that it's it's become has been it's been um, oh my gosh, what is I'm totally lost my train of thought. It's been really eye-opening for me Uh, Mm -hmm. and how I think when I think about the, you know, coming into the world as this Baptist minister's daughter and wanting to be a boy. And now that I am a trans man, identify as a trans man, I, I, uh, I think that what I've told is a story of, of my uh, my my challenges, and I'm telling them to these 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 people, these communities that I've existed in. Like I existed as a, I still exist as a black person, but I existed as mm-hmm. a black woman who is gay, and now I'm a black trans man. And it's uh, I think it speaks to those marginalized groups 
uh, who don't often see their stories told. This, this, this script is a work in progress because there's just so much to go and, and put into a one-man show that, I've, that is my life. Um, so right now, I think if anything, we have so much story. We're trying to go, okay, well, what's really important? What's being said twice? You know, that sort of thing. But, but in terms of the, the actual storyline, it's there, and it's, it's solid, and I love that. Um, it's just that I can't put it all in, you know, and, again, I, I'm sure people will say, wow, this is a lot. You've been through that? And they still mm-hmm. wouldn't know the whole story. You know, there's so much more. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm really excited, and I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if somebody wanted to take the show again and take it somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll still continue to grow. It has that life in it. Uh, the characters that are showing up um, have that uh, that ability to keep doing things through me. <laughs> you know, like last <laughs> night. Oh, it was last night. It was the night before that. We were in rehearsal. And one of my characters, she was just sassy. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? You know, and that's, that's in rehearsal. And so, as you know, like shows, as you go through them, they tend to grow and they, you know, and that's because over time the characters start, they hear the words and they, they, they know, they're like, they want to express themselves differently. And I'm looking forward to that. Just the fact what they're doing through me in the rehearsal process is exciting. So I'm really looking forward to my characters growing in me and, and, and through me. Mm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah a work in yeah. progress throughout closing. <laughs> you mm-hmm. might see something different from night one to the closing oh. night. But isn't it That's always good. like that? You know? Yeah, yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's, yeah, not in terms of story, but, you know, just in, in terms of, of, of character and how right. they express themselves, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, you know, initially there might be a little little stage, you know, fright or whatever, quivers, and then, and then also the audience has a lot to do with, you know, sort of because theater is interactive, you know, the energy from the oh, audience yeah. um, definitely affects um, the performance, you know, and that's what's really great about theater, you know, it's live, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and I don't know this new location, but. The um, the Waterfront Playhouse and Conservatory at 2024th Street in Berkeley, is it is it um, similar in in a, a style to the um, um, the Live Oak Park Theater, or is it is it what what does it look like in there? Is it bigger? Is it small? Like is it oh, intimate? Oh, it's a very intimate venue. Yeah, it's a very intimate mm-hmm. venue, 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. it, it feels like the audience feet? is on stage. 50. Yep. Oh, so people might want to get their nice. tickets, you know. Yeah, so it will, totally. It's that kind of venue that can easily sell. Like my my, I I live four and a half hours away, and my oh, my um, you do. I rent. Yeah, yeah. I live in Sequoia National Forest. It's it's very. You do. You live in a forest. <laughs> yeah. I, you. I live. Yeah, I live. Well, my well, I, my house is on the river. I, I rent a house on the river, but it's just so expensive to live in the Bay Area. But you live I, on I a river in a forest? Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it this wow. way. The, the Sequoia National Forest is my backyard. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see it when I step out of my house. Um, so I live in a, a town, a, a, foot, a town in the foothills um, mm-hmm. called Springville. And it's um, about three miles before you pass the, you know, welcome to Sequoia National Forest. So 
Mm-hmm. It's nice because within less than 30 minutes, mm-hmm. I can be in the snow um, or I can be where it's warm. It's great. I, I love it. Um, but I, I moved there to to write, um, to write my feature film, which I just finished and start, Congratulations. start working on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I start working on it next week. <laughs> so I'll start putting on my filmmaker hat as the mm-hmm. show opens. But it's now, I think it's now time to uh, to transition again. And I don't know yet whether I'll stay in California or I'll move um, away. But for now, I'm here. And I'm definitely here through the year. But, yeah, my home is there. And my landlord, uh, she texted me and said she's coming the opening night. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Oh, I'm, I'm so nice. Yeah, she's out in four and a half hours. So, so yeah, I, I mean, she's seen, she's seen some of my shows. So I'm really excited that she's, she's going to come see this. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people have been so supportive, and you included, and I really appreciate you, and I appreciate your listeners. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I guess I'm not so much of a social media person. I should be. I'm terrible at marketing and terrible about uh, telling people what I'm doing, but I always find that people find out, and that means they're, they're watching, and I just, I can't tell you how uplifting it is, you know, um, and I'm feeling a little emotional. That's interesting. <laughs> I just really appreciate the love and support that I've gotten, mm-hmm. and it are it is those voices, even the exchange we're having now, that will visit me in those moments where I might be alone and might doubt myself and say, can I do this? And then I might hear your voice, or I might hear someone else's voice who's been supportive, and and it keeps me going. It keeps me going, and and I'm grateful for that, and I and I have a good life because of that. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you know these stories, and I was just thinking, you know, um, about you know Sequoia National Forest, you know, in as a part of your backdrop. Of Spring Springville, <laughs> Springville, yeah, 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 and and I was thinking about um, uh, Colonel um, or Captain Charles Young, who was a um, Buffalo soldier, who is now going to be um, uh, given the honor of title of Brigadier General because he he really wanted to to get that next level of um, of um, of uh, service. But the war ended. But he is responsible. His he and his men are responsible for uh, paving the road there um, that is still being used as Sequoia National Forest. They named a highway after him. Um, oh wow! I think it was yeah yeah this wow. Veterans Day passed. Um, there's a tree with his name on it because um, what mm-hmm. happened was you know they have the Office of Interior and and now there's a whole you know, unit that has the National Park Services. But back then, um, the soldiers, you know, during the summer would take care of the parks. And and the Buffalo Soldiers, he was like one of the, he was the first African-American um, um, superintendent um, of the parks. Mm. And, and, and so, um, yeah, um, uh, Brigadier General, he's going to be, honored name that next week like when you're when you're doing um <laughs> a one-man show they're going to be honoring him in kentucky 
with this new wow. new rank. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love it. And I love it's, it. Isn't it great? Like you know, so think about about this whole thing around place, right? And right. And and I was just thinking, where where are you? Were you born here? Well, like this Baptist church? Was it in California? Was it in the South? Where where uh, was this Brooklyn, Baptist New York. church that you grew up Brooklyn, in? Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Brooklyn, New oh, York. My dad was from yeah. the South. Yeah. My, yeah, my oh, father was from the yeah. South. He was an Alabama boy, and, you know, he came oh, from wow. a family of ministers. All mm-hmm. six of his brothers, I think five of them were also ministers. <laughs> I wow. come from a very, very Christian family, and I adore my family. They're just, mm-hmm. they're the best. I could not have been more blessed to have these types of Christians <laughs> in my life because they're so mm-hmm. loving and accepting, you know, of of everyone. And they are accepting of me and and love me and support me and respect uh, that I have a different spiritual practice and they still respect me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just I think that that is the that is the way you you get people to to have dialogue and you get people to listen, you know. If I had a show that just attacked, you know, uh, people who share different views from me then the people who need to hear it won't come, you know? So, mm-hmm. so my hope is that I tell the story uh, as vulnerable as it is, but I'm also um, expressing my strength through it as well. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I show how to overcome that. And, uh, and I just think that when we see other people's challenges that we might find that we're not so different. Like, I'm always going to be striving towards that, that we're not so different as much as we might want to think. We really are. Um, and, like, I think even now, like, as I as I think about projects I do, you know, as a friend of mine said, you know, I, I feel in this time right now as an artist, I feel like I can't afford to do, like, Neil Simon plays, you know? Like, the, the stories I do need to have uh, importance and substance and social social value uh, as an artist, because I think artists, educators, uh, scientists, doctors, those are the people who move society forward. And when we start getting into politicians and corporate, that's all about money. And that's just, that's an illusion, you know, that is, doesn't even speak to humanity whatsoever. <laughs> like, so our humanity is tied to learning, it's tied to our health, it's tied to our spirituality, it's tied to our cultural expression. Like, that's our humanity, that's our growth. And, and those are the stories I'm committing my life to telling, uh, mm-hmm. and I am very, very excited about doing that. So, and, in fact, mm-hmm. I don't want to forget to, to share with your, your listeners that, you know, as I move into this next project, you know, the, the best way to find out what I'm doing and support um, would be through my website. Um, certainly mm-hmm. people can find me on my Facebook, Skylar Cooper. It's me holding Frida, <laughs> my, my dad. They can also find me on www.skylarcooper.net, not .com. Um, and there we, we will be posting lots of information starting, I think we start pre-production in March. So people can reach out, send me messages. They can find out about the one-man show uh, through my social media. Um, and I just really would appreciate it. And it's funny because you mentioned Harriet. I don't know if you know uh, about mm. my, my, my speech. I don't think we talked about it. I felt like we did maybe a while ago. Um, 
but it's about this um a young black veteran who suffers the workplace meltdown uh gets confined to a psych ward and learns a story that restores her sense of self uh and it's it's really powerful um this story because you know i believe stories inspire love and hate i believe stories you know they can lift us up they can hold us down they can make us believe they can make us doubt but it's 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 either the story you tell yourself or the story you hear that is affecting who you are so i really wanted to show this power of storytelling by putting this young black combat veteran, this female combat veteran, because I don't know how many stories of PTSD you've seen with female veterans. I don't know how many you've seen with black female veterans, right? I have not seen zero. So as a a black transgender veteran, I wanted to tell a story. You're a veteran? Of the American. Yes, I am. I wanted to tell a story of the American experience of survival through this point of view. And so, yeah, so, so, so Jordan Dunlap, my, my veteran, mm-hmm. gets confined to a psych ward with other veterans across, uh, of wars across the generations. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then she meets this, this, this combat veteran, this Vietnam veteran, who tells her the story of Yuli, a formidable, colossal runaway slave woman who survives by taking the identity of a man. Mm-hmm. And as we watch Muley overcome tremendous obstacles of race and gender in the past, mm-hmm. then in mm-hmm. the present day, we see Jordan uh, making incremental shifts, like in her behavior, lifting her up as she keeps hearing the story. And so, you know, I, I, I really loved telling this dual story because I just felt like we don't see black people learning about black, other black people and being mm-hmm. inspired by their stories. In our black American history, unfortunately, comes from slavery. However, not every slave was a victim. Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, these are people who lived in difficult times in this country, and they survived and they made a difference. Well, Jordan Dunlap is going to hear about a black woman who, 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 who survived by taking the identity of a man, and this is based on a true person. He's like mm-hmm. an anti-hero. She's the opposite of Harriet Tubman, <laughs> but she mm-hmm. is awesome. And I'm excited about playing her. I'm excited about shooting this short this summer, and we're going to make mm-hmm. this feature next. But mm. all of this is, is about the work that I want to do. I want to tell these black American stories um, from these groups of people that we don't normally see, and they will be powerful, and they will be universal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so yeah. Wow. So... So this is what your your film is about. This is the what you're working on right now, the Jordan Dunlap story. Yes, or yes, called this, Worthy of Survival. Oh, it's called Worthy of worthy. Survival. And oh yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it's a part of um, yeah, where you there's a link to um, yeah, and it's a real short bio. Yeah, and I was going to ask you what's Worthy of Survival, and this is Worthy of yeah. Survival. Ah, oh, Worthy of Survival. Nice. Yeah, Worthy of Survival. It's yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's a cross between fried green tomatoes. Meet Goodwill Hunting <laughs> on the set of uh-huh. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, that's my Wow. Thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I sent a draft to Lena Waithe. I'm hoping, I sent her a, a pitch deck. I'm waiting oh. uh, to hear back. And if I, I don't know if you know who Lena Waithe is. She, I know um, that name. Yeah, she produced The Shy, uh, 
Um, and she did Master of None. She did. She got a, a an Emmy for one of the episodes she wrote in the Master of None. She's just a, a, an amazing sister doing amazing things. She's a queer woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I just think someone like her would be interested. We are in the same circles, but she's just harder to mm-hmm. reach because, you know, she doesn't know me. But, you know, the oh. thing is, is that you have, to knock, you have to knock on the door. If you don't knock on the door, how do you know whether it will open? So what I do right. is I knock. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know whether the door is going to open, but it's not going to stop me from knocking. But I will mm-hmm. continue to go forward, and I will make this <laughs> film, and I will say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I knocked on your door, <laughs> but you didn't open it. <laughs> so I just kept going. <laughs> and that's how Hero Mars came to pass, this multi-award-winning film. You know, is oh. I knocked on lots of doors, and I just finally said, okay, let's do this. And, and mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. And it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. nice, nice. And are your films going to be available, like, for instance, Hero Mars and You've Got the Gray Area? Um, are they available? Yeah. Um, the ones that are? Well, I oh, know, cool. I'm, I know Gray Area. I'm not sure what their distribution is right now um, with mm-hmm. that, but I know with Hero Mars I have I have that. I've not put an open link on Vimeo, but I, I, I might do that uh very soon uh it's still you know just asked to film festivals but but i i i can say that if anybody wants to watch it you know they can just contact mm-hmm. me but i i haven't i used to have it on my website i, do. I don't you do you haven't seen hero mars uh-uh. oh my gosh i will send that to you uh okay. yeah 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 you might see a little bit of it in the one-man show it's possible okay um yeah. so yeah so i think that what I I want to talk to my team because we will be marketing mm-hmm. for the next film and they might want to say yeah let's go ahead and release this for people to see what your team mm-hmm. can do and mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. so again going to my website uh, following me on 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 Instagram on on Facebook uh, that's the best way for people to to find out what I'm doing next so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and I was wondering um, if you have a few more minutes. Um, if if you know we could talk about um, for you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know when we talk about you know sort of the different iterations of of this working process process we call our our lives right and ourselves. Mm. Um, you know we we have like we have a d- destination we think we know where we're going and then things come in and 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 we sort of let ourselves be guided in other directions and we find out. You know, not quite knowing where we're going, but like, oh yeah, this was this was good, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I'm glad I I'm glad I surrendered to this, um, even though I didn't know where this yield was gonna take me. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about that, um, and and you know, in in so far as the story that you're telling, you know, presently, a one man sure. show, um, mm-hmm. and then yeah. worthy of survival, you know, sort of also happening at the same time, and oh, so and then the second. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last thing I wanted you to talk about, because I think it's something that we always need to sort of keep, um, you know, in the forefront of our minds, you know, is the violence, you know, violence um, against, you know, the trans community, particularly the African uh, American mm-hmm. trans community, um, and yeah. you know, because you know, everyone should be safe, and and everyone is not safe. And black people are not safe, mm-hmm. but then there are certain mm-hmm. black people that are really not safe, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, wow, I'd love to speak to all of those. Um, okay. The first, 
the work in progress, right? What mm-hmm. that's yeah. been like. And is, just for clarity, you mean for me as an individual or the work in progress yeah. of the one-man show? In work in progress as, as people, as we are. Because remember how as you talked people, yeah. at the beginning about how, um, you know, we're, we're not hatched, we're born. You know, we, we come into who we are. Because, you know, we come into who we are through community, right, through reflection. For, you know, we, yeah. we don't know who we are until somebody reflects back to us that they see us. <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, oh, you know what? okay. You know what's evidence mm-hmm. of that? There's just evidence mm-hmm. of that is that even in a one-man show, when I write it, and I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. like how the characters change, they say the same thing. They don't not say the same thing, but they change and they evolve. And, and so even in this fixed environment that you can create in the story world, the characters want to, like through you as an actor, they want to express themselves differently because that's natural. It is natural to want to change and to transform and to, to transition I, I don't think anything in this world that we're all living in stays the same. <laughs> Nothing. All changes. It transforms. And, you know, there's this, um, there's this uh, Buddhist uh, theory, like how, you know, we go through spring, summer, winter, fall. You know, we transition uh, from the moment that we are, uh, born like the, the the wildlife like I'm I'm standing here outside I'm looking at the ocean I'm at the uh, VA actually and they have an amazing like million dollar view and I'm just looking around looking at all this nature and how even the, it changes you know but then I'll see among like maybe like all of the same plants I'll see that one plant that's different right if you ever go and you ever hike and you see like a meadow and you see all the same, I mean, you'll always find that one flower that's different. And you're like, how the heck did that get there, right? And so I, mm-hmm. that's how I feel, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it doesn't belong. It's part of the world, you know. And sometimes you might spring up in an area where you're the only one. And so you have to figure out how to continue to thrive. And that's what they do. They, and they still go through the seasons of spring, summer, winter, fall, like the other things around them. And they come right back, you know. And so, pardon me. I think that, I think that that is indicative of life. And we are, as people, are not different from that. And finding, find, realizing that for me, um, allowed me to really enjoy the journey that I'm on. As difficult as it might be at times, I have to trust that that is not all it's going to be. Um, and honoring my life and the things that I want to do and, and, and um, become is only going to uh, improve as I keep challenging the things that are in the way of that, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the growth. That's the, the joy. That is life. We all go through that if we mm-hmm. want to grow and, you know, and then I, I walk around um, I've walked around downtown recently and I just saw you know, I, I can't not see people suffering like I notice people can just walk by somebody who's on the ground and they're covered in you know dirt and filth and they just keep walking past them and I just go wow this was a human being that was had was loved and had you know this was a child once and I go how how do we get? How do you get there? 
You know, and I think that it's um, it definitely comes from a, 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 a either staying fixed and not unwilling to go. Oh, there's more than just this, you know, and and being willing to look for that and allowing yourself to grow uh, is is really important. And so I I found that for me it was honoring the ability to. Uh, to challenge my environment, you know, I had to I had to challenge my environment because I could end up easily like these people, you know. If I go, okay, I got, I have to become this, I have to become something else that I don't want to become. Um, so yeah, I, I think that a work in progress is the way we continue. You know, mm-hmm. if we if we think we've arrived, then we're, there's no growth. You know, and there's so much illusion right now. There's so much illusion, and it just keeps coming, you know, distractions. And, like, people are becoming less and less connected with themselves. And part of, part of that is because we're just overstimulated. We're not able to tap into our true selves. We can't hear our voices anymore. Um, because we're constantly, I got to do this, got to catch up to that, I got to email this person, got to, you know, post here. And it's like... <laughs> How can you, like, you know, and I just thought, I was telling my girlfriend today, I said, you know, I want to watch, I wanted to watch this movie, this old movie. That's not that freaking old, but now it's an old movie because <laughs> we see what's out there now. And, um, and I don't know, I just wanted to watch something that reminded me of a simpler time. But then I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know what? But even now with all of the video and the, the phones or the smartphones, even now, like, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this is going to be a simpler time. <laughs> so can you imagine what that right. would be like? You know, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, we are, we are constantly evolving. We're constantly a work in progress. And I just, I just say, enjoy the journey. Enjoy it, the ups and downs. And remember, like, those ups and downs, should, it's important also not to tie yourself to those ups and downs. So I try not to tie myself, for instance. I try not to tie myself to the highest highs. Like, getting to, like it's great when they happen, but I try not to go, okay, now I'm happy. And then, oh, things are shitty. Okay, now I feel shitty. It's just it's a hard existence to have, you know. And it's, it, this is the challenge is to stay unaffected by the highs and lows. Appreciate them for what they are and then keep going. And you can enjoy the highs, you know, you absolutely can. Um, but it's just, it's hard to, to stay settled in it. Because I think that for me, I found that I create when I keep going. If I, you know, I have a success, I'm like, oh, that was great. You know, and something happens that's not so great. Okay, that's not so awesome. I keep going. And that's where I, I, I find the, it's the stuff that's in between. That's where the, the gold is. It's the in between the highs and the lows. That's where you want to stay. So, yeah, so that's the work in progress theory I have about, <laughs> about life. Um, um, uh-huh. um, the one man show, uh, I definitely think that that was evidence of, of that because I was challenged by the one man show, the stories that, that came out of me that I didn't have this understanding at that time, you know, and I think that's what I, I had to allow myself 
to uh, to be able to write is that okay, you know, this is kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but but I'm like, but I didn't know what I knew then, right? And I would I would think that if somebody says, oh wow, you did that, or you were like that, and and thinking like, oh, but you're you're but you're so much more together right now, I'm like, yeah. And 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 I am, and I would hope that people don't think that oh, because I've done certain things in my life, that I can't be genuine in who I am today. Does that make sense? What I'm saying. Right. So yeah, definitely. So yeah, so so a one man show uh, definitely um, has play of you know work in progress. That's really the character, a work in progress, and. Oh, the, the violence in the trans community. I I have a hard time with that. I, I, I because I feel somewhat trans privileged, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, most of my life, I have been seen as a male, um, and so even when I was walking around with my girlfriend. I didn't have the the toxic male energy that would get thrown at butch femme couples or lesbian couples that I oftentimes hear happens with them um, because guys would think, oh, it's a guy and a girl. And so when I – and my trans identity, I've, it's, it almost feels like the only thing that's changed is pronouns. The people in my inner circle now call me sir, or I mean sir, but yeah, they call me sir or they call me he – pronouns, but, mm-hmm. but my outer circle, the bigger world, has always seen me as he. I've rarely gotten she in my entire life. Like, even as a little girl, I was considered a little, the people would think I was a little boy. Um, so, but because of that privilege, I've not been exposed to it, so it's maddening to see it happen to my trans sisters. Um, I don't think that my trans brothers get it as much, Um but I I, rel- I relate to my trans sisters because when I was a, a butch woman, masculine, I faced the same kind of hostility. Oh, you're not you're not you're not a woman because you're not feminine, you know. And that just and that's in my show, you know. Like so, I speak to these groups because I feel like I've I've lived through them. Like I get it and I understand it. Um, as an artist, I want to continue to be able to tell those stories. Um, I don't think that I have to be uh, a, a, a butch woman identified to tell a butch woman's story. In the same way that when I was a, a masculine female or a butch woman, um, I played male and female roles as an actor. You know, so as a trans black man, I'm not going to limit myself from telling those mm-hmm. stories because I still feel the same connection. Um, I still feel um, that I'm able to tell them. And even though I might not experience, you know, the, the hostility, I have, I, I do experience similar things that, and challenges that, that, that these groups do when I do come out. Like when I do come out, I'm like, oh, this is interesting, you know. And so I do know that people have these hostilities born, uh, born from uh, an expectation or uh, like the way they see you. So, I have a line, for instance, in the, in the, in the, in the one-man show. It's like, if I don't tell you who I am, then who are you really needing? You know, if you get to tell me who I am, then I'm just basically fitting a profile that you want me to fit in your mind. 
And, and, and that's really, that's the challenge right now, I think, with, with society as a whole, is that we should be able to respect what the other person um, is, you know, whether they're Christian, Muslim, Sikh, it, uh, straight, gay, bisexual, pansexual. Like, we need to be able to hear what, who they are when we meet them. And so the thing is, is that we can't go, like, I don't want to, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, you know, and just, you're going to be this because this is how I see you. And now, oh, oh you're that? Okay, so uh, I don't think I'm going to be friends with you. I don't know that that is a genuine way to exist in the world. Um, but that's kind of the model that we have with socialization. You know, like if we really knew everything about someone, um, we might not want to talk to them. And it's about compassion. It's about having compassion. Um, and we learn when we meet people, I think it's about learning about them. It's not about just knowing who they are. When you meet someone, you have to also know that you're going to be learning about them. Um, and so I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind. Uh, would it stop the violence against black trans people, black trans women? I doubt it. Um, I, again, that just speaks to the expectation that in order to be a female, you have to be feminine. And I just know that that's bullshit. <clears throat> you know, there are women who are cis who are not feminine. And yet because they have a, a sex organ that is uh, a, a, of, of, of a female, okay, we'll give them a pass. I think that that's wrong to identify somebody's gender based on their sex organ. You know, I think that we're more than just a sex organ. <laughs> you know, we're human beings. We're whole beings. And um, I've had to, I had to really relearn a lot of things. You know, even myself, like I was, I was telling my partner, like, you know, she's, 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 um, I used to like really high semi girls, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> nails, long nails, all of that. Like, I was so into that. And, you know, I just didn't see the, the, the beauty. I didn't really appreciate the beauty in women who didn't overly, like, dress themselves up, you know. But then as I got older, I was like, you know, that's just a, a shell. That's not who they are, you know. And, and so when I started to be able to look past the shell, and to see, like, who the person is. Because even if you were to be attracted to that person who, like, let's say on the material side, like the, the, the vein part, like, they're you know, really pretty, even that, it takes about two years for the other shoe to drop, and even that doesn't hold. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It just it won't hold you because you're really going for that person that, 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 that loves to do the same things you do. Like, that's really, for me, I think that that's the true connection, and, and that's when I see people. That's true love, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And that's, when I say true love, I don't mean just in a romantic sense. I mean true love in terms of true love, in terms of friendship, in terms of family. Yeah, it, I've had my own bloodline turn against me when they found out about coming out of mm -hmm. when I told them I was trans. I mean, nasty. <laughs> like, very, very bad. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> it's just like family. And so it just, it's, um, but I had to have compassion even for that, you know, I have to, I have to understand that that's just where they are and that's not who I am. And I just, all I offer is that, well, if you ever want, I'm not going to change who I am. So it's on you. The door is open. If you ever want to come back into my orbit, 
you absolutely can. (laughs) But but the galaxy is wide. (laughs) You can keep drifting if you need to. But but the orbit is always open, and I think that's important. Yeah. Wow, it's been a really, really wonderful conversation, you know, um, with you, Skylar. Um, yeah, about about more than <laughs> a one-man show, but just about, you know, just, you know, about art and about being, about presence. And and I want our audience to know um, that, that and, and I heard you say that your, your work is just an hour long. Like, really? Yeah. Well, we, we might like, be a little wow. over an hour. Is that too long? <laughs> okay. Is that, is oh, that long no, or is that thinking, short? I, I, just, I just thought, you know, considering all that you've told us about it, I thought it was going to be like, I mean, you know, 90 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh. It was. <laughs> That's why it's a work in progress. That's why we got a draft last night. You've just been cutting, cutting, cutting. I mean, it's just on me as an artist. It, for me to be on stage and perform for 75 minutes is a lot. And this is my first one-man show. So mm-hmm. so I need to um, – <clears throat> I want to be mindful of that, you know, and just mm-hmm. the, the challenges it has on my body. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, I think we're, like, close to 75 minutes. We're trying to get even less oh, than good. that. So, oh, so, yeah. I, hope it so, stays, yeah. so, I hope it stays longer as opposed to shorter. But, you know, hey. <laughs> well, we your, want your to get, team, we always want experts. people to want more, Wanda. We want people to want oh. more. Well, okay. well <laughs> I want <laughs> And certainly your audience, if they want to come and see the show again, they can certainly come and, and come mm-hmm. back. You know, we love to have people come back. But it's just, it's so exciting. Uh, when will you be there? When will, when will um, I be able to see yeah. you? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna try to come that that first weekend, um, the fifteenth, um, if nothing else, uh, sort of moves it um, definitely because it, is it the the fifteenth, sixteenth? Is it both days? Yeah, is it, is I it, think it's the fifteenth, okay. the sixteenth, and seventeenth. Yeah. Okay. Think, All right. Yeah. I, I think I have to look at it, but I know it's just well. I know. Yeah. You you have um yeah on the website it was saying how many um um. Yeah, I can tell people you have eight performances. <laughs> so the 15th oh, I apologize. Eight, it's actually not. That, it's not the. Yeah, it's the fifteenth and sixteenth. Correct. It's not right. The 15th, yeah. 15th, so every weekend. Yeah, and yeah. and on the and the fifth and the seventh are two eight o'clock. So some are matinees and some are evening. And and you're in in repertory with uh, Elaine McGree's uh, Pussy Grabbing yeah. Revenge. What a great oh, title, she's right? She's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. You know, you look at you look at Elaine and I, you know, she's she's white, I'm black, and yet when I when I heard her story at the read-through, mm-hmm. it just was just such proof that we really there's not a whole lot of difference in our life, you know, and our challenges, mm-hmm. and I think this the history keeps me awake. Mm-hmm. Uh it's evidence of that. You know, and right. so I definitely mm-hmm. hope people see both shows. I really do, mm-hmm. because that just yeah. gives you a, a a bigger perspective of what our shows mm-hmm. really together collectively want to want to present, which is that we're really the same. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and what's really great the way that um, you know um, John has 
arranged it, you know, in in uh, this repertory, you can actually do two in one. Like you can go to the two p.m. matinee, and you can also catch the eight p.m. same day. So mm-hmm. you can do both plays in the same weekend. Um, you don't have to go back and forth except to see it again because ah. They want us to want more. Okay, so we will do that. Theater first is the bomb. Yeah, theater first is the bomb. I love the work that. Yeah. They're one of the few theaters that really does work that is stimulating, provocative, innovative, you know, and they really try to keep up with what's going on in the community. I just, I really appreciate Theater First and John Tracy and just the entire Theater First family. They're just amazing, mm-hmm. and they really deserve the support because it's, right. if it wasn't for them, I couldn't bring the work that I'm bringing. You know? So I definitely think it's important to support the theater uh, that is putting, producing these works as well. So. Right, yeah. And I want to yeah. give you a shout-out for your wonderful um, website. I wish I had known it before we spoke. It is just oh. so <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I just Thank love you. your your activist section and your in progress in the art is just so beautiful. Um, very, Thank very you. attractive website, really beautiful visuals. And we have to have you on again, um, you know, when your film is ready for its screenings and we could talk about other things we could get a chance to talk to talk about, like your activism. Um and oh, yeah. uh, your wonderful work with young people and uh yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, more about I, Brooklyn, I you know, that, that little country in, in New York, you know, that's a little African <laughs> country, you know, in New York <laughs> called Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, Little West Indies. You, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. you're going to so enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> been cra- yeah, it's just so much fun. Um, when, oh, you said you, you, did you get a chance to read the play yet? No, no, I haven't read it yet. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Well, when you do, I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to hearing your thoughts. But I think that you should see the show, actually, Wanda. <laughs> okay. No problem. I, I can I can wait no, and see, see the, the show, show and then be read surprised. it. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, I, I see like the that. show and be surprised. Okay. Yeah, I will do that. That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, this is so great. wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this chance to talk to you. Oh, you're again. quite welcome. Been great speaking yeah. to you as well. And yeah, good luck on everything. You know. Um, you know, everything ending up on the floor, you know, um, you know, being trimmed and your trust in the process and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we yeah. shall see yeah. what it is, what it looks like next week. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, right. we will. You take good care. <laughs> all right. You as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So I wanted to... um. Let folks know, remind you that um, 16 Bars is opening uh, Bay Area theatrically um, at the Four Star in San Francisco this evening and at the Smith Raphael in San Rafael. It goes from the 7th, February 7th through the 13th, and the director is going to be in the house um, tonight at the uh, the Red Star. And um, so I was thinking I probably should play... Um, I should probably play this interview with um with uh speech. Um yeah, I really should probably do that. We don't have enough time for you to hear all of it, but I really wanted to play some music. I wanted to play something inside so strong and, and I could play one of the songs from 
uh, from 16 Bars. You could just go listen to the interview, which was broadcast again on Wednesday this week, and uh, Tuesday was the first iteration. I changed it a little bit, so it's a little different on Wednesday if you want to listen again. Um, so I'm going to play... Um, I'm going to play uh, Inspire, uh, which is so beautiful. Um, and then I'm going to play something inside so strong, you know, for Miss Mildred, Mrs. Mildred Tits uh, Walter and her wonderful book. I hope you all got it. It's so phenomenal. She's a veteran of the Civil Rights Movement and still moving strong at, um, gosh, how old is Miss Mildred? Gosh, I don't want to say she's in her 90s, but I think she is. Now, we have so many people that are in their 90s and 100s. I'm like, this is so awesome and, you know, just doing some great things. So I'm going to play uh, uh, play, play Teddy Kane's Inspire because it's so beautiful. And then I'm going to just move right into um, something inside so strong. I've been coming back and forth to jail since I was 10 years old, man. I made a career out of that. Now I realize I got a gift to make music. So it kind of fuels me that maybe somebody may hear the song and it may inspire them to at least look at life different. I wrote this to inspire you. I pray that it do. I wrote this to inspire If you're tired of the liar And the bias and the violence Gotta stand on top of that giant Like King David and Goliath For the fellas that can't get higher Earned since so bombing up the White House Seems like the White House done got wider Then the air will be hold our lighters For the convicts locked on Rikers And the lifers And that moment is hooked on cracks of the nerd kid diapers To the young black man indicted could have been a draft pick for the Vikings Got pulled over, he ain't got a license Caught with some crack in the scale and the rifle Just cause I'm black in my skin, I like you When I walk past, don't jump like I'ma bite you Just trying to open up the door for you Cause I got manners, I'm a man, understand this fight We ain't never asked you to come to this punch Took us from my own land, called us honkers Changed our language, whipped us bloody Death types, car can't fix with no money Time never wasted, mind elevated Raised in the 80s, could've went crazy But gosh, don't pay when your soul, they can save it Baby with a baby, you can still make it I support with EBT, raise her kids on VEC, stack her paychecks week to week, now ain't no gunshots when they sleepin', I know God watch over me.
So don't miss 16 bars and hear Teddy's story. It's so wonderful. Um, well, wonderful is not the word for it. Scratch that. It's tragic. Um, but, um, you know, the the ability to tell his story in the music is 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 a part of the healing process, which is something that's ongoing because the trauma, the trauma that he has experienced and other men experienced in this in this particular um, film story um, is is really horrific, um, and uh, that he is still standing is a blessing, and that and if you listen to the interview, you'll find out what you. Do. 